Ladies and gentlemen, if we did not live in a disgusting dystopian future where DMCA copyright strikes run right, we would be blaring the boys are back in town right now. But we do live in that hellscape. So you're just going to have to fill in the blanks or possibly restart this podcast, open up YouTube on your phone and play just like about 30 seconds. You'll get the bit after about 30 seconds of that song while we do this intro. Yes, it is the Chair Shop Podcast. It is here on a Sunday evening. And the three boys are, in fact, back in recording town. I am your your returning co-host, Barry Murphy. Hello, coming to you from a brand new location. I am rejoining my 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 co-hosts and pals. First of all, Mr. Paul Griffin. Hello. And our uh, our, our ongoing uh, Resu correspondent, Mr. Joe Towner. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa to you, sir. Uh, lads, it's good to be back. Uh, uh, the three of us here uh, on the show. It has been a month. Has it been over a month? It feels like longer. It, it does. It does feel like longer. I've also not been streaming in this in this last two or three. It's actually it's definitely been two minutes since I've been streaming. So I've just been sort of living my life and not talking to people about it, which is shit. You know, um, mm. can't do any more of that. Had to get back up and running. So here we are back on the the, the CSP uh, um, train. Um, I, I, I one one kind of lesson I've learned over the last two months. Obviously, I was without internet for a while, and then when I, even when I got internet, I was like, okay. The Sunday evenings have to remain free because there was a lot going on. There was a lot of yeah. putting things in boxes. There was a lot of taking things out of boxes. There was a lot of um, a lot of getting on the hands and knees with rags and various sprays and alcohols and potions and scrubbing uh, grease off of two different kitchens. Uh, it was great. Barry uh, on his knees with alcohol. You are kidding me. You oh, what was I trying to do? Get some more. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there was a, a, a lot going on and I, my, my aspirations, obviously, so to, for, for, any, for any new listeners who've just joined in since I left the show a month ago, uh, obviously I, I have moved house. I moved out of my apartment into myself and Bruno's new home, which is very exciting. Obviously talked about all that, you know, uh, last week. Um, uh, and my aspiration was with both this podcast and streaming, I was like, I'm going to wait until the office slash studio is like finished. I'm going to have hmm. shelves up. I'm going to have my collections displayed behind me, my little trinkets, my little collectibles, my posters, blah, 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 blah. And then kind of as the month went on and reality set in about how much time and money was going to be required in all of that, I was quickly like, all right, we got internet in the house. I can fucking do the show now. <laughs> so <I'll, laughs> I was, I, you know, I was, I was, because I'm actually, I'm speaking into the mic I was using uh, just before I, I wrapped up there uh, about a month ago. I was hoping, I am waiting on a microphone arm and a new mic uh, that's going to look very professional, very excited about it. I wanted to have that, but I don't have it quite yet. And I was just like, you know what? We're in the house. We've done all the big stuff. I have my Sunday evening is free. Let's just get back to it. Um, and I'll, I'll be doing the same thing with the with the streaming as well. I'm, the last thing I'm waiting on is the the a second monitor and once that's up even though there's this room is is, is a mess uh, i was just talking to the lads on air they can see my face via our recording process like there's there's just like if i just like there's just shit on the ground everywhere uh you know there's no there's literally no shelving at all in this place there's no accoutrement there's no posters there's no nothing it's just little old me in this room but who cares i'm back here in in csp land um and it's great it's a great way to to get back onto a somewhat normal schedule 
Um, uh, we've officially handed back the keys to our old apartment, which is very emotional. Many a great CSP episode recorded in that in that mm. place. Let me tell you, uh, which is which is which is the main thing I was sad about. The main thing was the, the CSP memories, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> but um, it's been it's been quite tumultuous, but 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 very exciting. Um, in the last month and a half, there's been painting. Uh, there's been destroying of furniture. There's been building of new furniture. Brona had to rent a van, which was quite a funny experience. Mm. Um, we had we had we had an instance of going to collect some furniture from a, a, a prominent Scandinavian seller of household goods, and uh, uh, Bjorn down the road is it? Oh yeah, old Bjorn, old Bjorny. Um, yeah. uh, but we went to his uh, his his warehouse uh, uh, shopping center, and uh, <laughs> we ordered a uh, a a. a Sofa bed, so you know, a sofa that has a bed and also has a kind of a, a Ottoman storage thing. Right, this is mm-hmm. perfect. And right. We were kind, of, and we assumed that it would be like a flat pack, as in a flat, flat pack. And we drove out in Brona's car, and the fella in the warehouse, no exaggeration, quite literally laughed at the prospect of getting this this couch <laughs> into the car because it wasn't so much a flat pack so much as it was a, a couch just broken into three parts oh, that slid oh, yeah. into each other. So it was basically more or less built, which on the plus on the plus side, it wasn't too long to assemble it once we got home. But then we had to, in the middle, at 12 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of a city, we had to ring every rental place that we could get a number for and try to say, do you have a van that I can collect in the next 15 minutes? Which they all thought, which they also <laughs> thought was very funny. All these people were having a great time. I, We were there just kind of like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Oh, God. And eventually we were getting so desperate that when we called one of them, we were like, okay, do you know anyone? Like, not even because we'd, we'd rang the four companies or whatever. I was like, do you know a person who might be able to help us? And so this lady, this, the lady for one of the companies, she gave us, um, she gave us the number for... When I Googled it, what is a, a car dealership, basically? Like, they just sell cars. And I was like, this is – I don't think she understood what I was asking. So I gave I gave him a ring anyway. And the fella answers. He goes, yeah. And he goes, uh, do you rent vans? He goes, yeah. Uh, he goes, he goes, right, uh, when do you need it? I goes, like, now? Like, how long would it take me to drive to you? 20 minutes ago. Okay, uh, while I drive it here, ring your insurance company and ask if you can transfer your insurance over to the van – for the day. And if you can't do that, don't come to me. I can't help you. And I was like, this doesn't seem, this doesn't seem like the way this is usually done at all. It usually seems like the van company has the insurance, but we were <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Literally nothing. And, and the, 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 um, the Scandinavian outlet in question was like, you have to get, this is Saturday. It's like, you have to, it has to be gone by Monday. You, you cannot leave it in the warehouse. You paid for it now. Mm-hmm. So eventually we went out and it was, it, it was a pretty, it was a more legitimate operation. I guess it was a really big professional looking dealership. And basically he owned a load of vans as part of the dealership that went so long as they were not sold, he was willing to rent out for the day. So it's not ideal. We had, we had to pay a fee to transfer Brona's insurance to this car for about literally about two hours. That's all it took because we're living super central in the middle, in the heart of Limerick. Now the, the shop was not a trek out of town. Dealership was right in the heart of town as well. It was like the most expensive 90 minutes you've ever uh, seen. Um, but we got it done. And that's kind of been the story of the last month. It's been constant surprise expenses. Mm. Um, I mean, that's, that is literally what everyone said when we started the whole process of getting the house. It's like, this is, this is the the thing when we were, when we were uh, uh, getting ready to move in and we were in contract negotiation stage, we kind of, 
our solicitor was like, you can either have the house completely emptied, 100% emptied, including the fridge and all that stuff, or you can you can keep the fridge and all that stuff, but you also have to keep the various bits of crap that are in there. And I was like, well, we want we want the, the washing machine in the fridge, so we'll leave it. Move in, spend money on a skip to get rid of all their shitty, disgusting, bug-infested furniture in some oh, cases. Uh, and we were like, well, you know what? It's worth it because the money we'd spend on the skip is still less than buying a brand new cooker and washing machine. Washing machine was actually broken, unsalvageable. That also had to be binned and then... Oh, no! A cost of several hundred bones again um, by us. So there's been a lot of that. There's also a saga of our tree out our back garden, which is one of... When we moved in, was one of our favorite features. We have... Our street has one gigantic, like, elm tree uh on it and it's in our back garden it is fucking gigantic it's like something that would be worshipped in a fantasy film um uh and it's really big and we said we'd get a tree surgeon out to just kind of trim the the branches and see how much it would cost and he was like well uh you got a bit of fungus there at the base of it which means it might be rotting which means we need to get a second fella out to look at it and depending on what he says you might have to spend like several grand to get it completely removed from your garden lest it fall over and kill everyone um so that's ongoing so it's been it's been emotional it's been a lot of ups and downs mainly on the bank account um but uh but yes i am i am now broadcasting from the new the new Barry Lad Studios um uh paris france um except not um yeah and that's 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 the main update lads i mean other than that it's just been it's just been uh weeks of of, of pent-up dynamite takes will i start just from september first week of september will i <laughs> Go on. no 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 but um i've enjoyed the show boys i have enjoyed the show um uh always always good to 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 check in on you even when i'm not here um so i'm all caught up but why don't you give me the the this week's life guff to let me know how you've been getting on well i'll i'll start quickly so i hurt when barry since you've been since you've been gone i hurt my ribs for the first time oh no um and i'm just now recovering it's still sore actually this is two and a half weeks ago i hurt my ribs still pained uh, but I'm just about recovered. It, it's to the point where it's it's really not noticeable. Although I was playing golf yesterday, and every time I took Ooh. a swing, it was like a little dig in the ribs. But um, in the week, I was going to climb into the shower, which is we have, we don't have one of those fancy showers where it's like got its own room, the shower room. We have the old bath with the little oh yes yeah on the wall and the water come out right. Now, the bathtub was already a little bit wet, a little bit moist. So I stepped in across the frontier of the bathtub, across the border, with my right foot. And my right foot went, whoop, like a slapstick comedy, pretty much straight up in the air. And my entire body weight came crashing down on my left shin, right into the edge of the bathtub. Oh, God. So I, I won't put it on, on the camera here because the listeners can't see it anyway. But I have a bruise basically the entire length of my shin bone and the back of my leg. That's how hard I hit it. It bruised through the leg. Like the back of my calf is bruised. So, yeah, just as I'm recovering from one injury and thinking, well, we'll be going back to the gym now shortly, then I injure my leg. So <laughs> one after another. And it was, it's pretty much swelled up immediately 
You're just going to have to get like little little weights you can just lift sitting down. Yeah, my phone. Lift my phone up in there. (laughs) Oh, if that's a workout, buddy, I am the Wardlow. Let me tell you. (laughs) Um, And then I had a further injury, like you did, Barry, to the old wallet, Mm. the old bank account, because I, um, as a car owner, Oh, the, yes. time, the time had come for me to pay for my car insurance for the year. Ah, uh, yes. And my motor tax for the mm. year. So, you know, with these things, you have the option to pay monthly and you pay, you know, slightly more in the grand scheme of things. I'm not being worked by that scam. I'm paying it all up front. Okay. So I don't have to think about it for the rest of the year. I don't need to think yeah, about yeah, it until yeah, next, yeah, next yeah, October, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is great in concept. Uh, but when you pay two grand at once for two things, you're like, I don't like, feel like I am getting one over the man. You go, wait a minute, where's my two grand gone that I just had? So yeah, the insurance comparatively wasn't too bad. I went to a few different comparison sites and um, and that, and I'm actually still getting calls from random insurance companies going, "We're calling you about your quote from last week." Like, I already got the insurance; it's not with you. Um, so the insurance was like 1200 and something, which isn't too bad for a first time learner driver on a 15 year old car and the motor tax, like 500 and something. So yeah, really it came to about 1800, but, uh, it's a lot of money to lose at once. It's going to be a bit of a frugal month, uh, this October. I might only buy the one Blu-ray. That's it. Um, that's it. I'll only buy a 10 packs of AW cards this month. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I was listeners. I was seeing updates flying back and forth about fucking cards being ordered. No, you, was no. It was outrageous. It was, I got outrageous. the one, I got the CM Punk card, which is a lovely little surprise. That was, that was pretty good. From, from the boys at upper deck. Obviously they listen to the show. <laughs> uh, so that was lovely. That was legitimately, I posted at the door and like, I didn't order anything. And a little CM Punk card, which is really nice, because that's one of the one of the cards I just kind of accepted that I would never get. <laughs> you know, CM Punk autograph card. There's so few of them, you're not going to get. It. And even <laughs> less now, <laughs> yeah, it's even more valuable now. For Tony, say, you yeah, the you door. Know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was lovely. Um, but yeah, and then I, I actually drove. I went out for a drive in my car for the first proper time. Makes it all worth it. Um, which is very nice. Uh, lovely lovely to have your own little car. Take for a little drive. Beep, beep around. I have the problem where, because I was learning in a different car, I'm still not used to the, in, in my car, the speed of like taking your foot off the clutch and accept, all that right. stuff. Takes, it takes a minute to get used to. I do have my first lesson booked for this week as well. Like my first proper driving lesson. Okay. Because I've been trying to get them organized since maybe May and I was told thanks to COVID there's a backlog until October that people aren't taking on any new drivers till October so I right before the start of October I, I jumped the queue and said right you're taking any new learners now are you um, but I think they'd rather take someone like me anyway rather than a you know a 19 year old uh, joyrider or whatever <laughs> My sensible uh, teenagers, you know, they're like, yeah, they're fucking <laughs> smoking and driving. Yeah, oh, they just want to drive to the fingering factory. Little, little, 
<laughs> a little bum fluff moustache, you know. The, little, the bum fluff moustache, Emporium, <laughs> the not doing your homework station. The bum you know. bag over the shoulder. Yeah. 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 Losing the name, guys. It's a fun fact. Uh, no, you're not going to the Linden Village Brewery. Come on. You've got to do. <laughs> um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Although I feel like I fucking, I know how to drive now. I know how to drive. I know how to do it. It's easy. Um, mostly easy. I mean, as is usually the case, once the car is moving, it's very easy. It's going from moving to not moving. That's kind of the slightly harder bit. That's the rub. That's the, yeah. So that's been, um, what's been, I've been spending all my money on recently. Mm. Um, and what else? No, hurting myself. <laughs> Thank <laughs> of. <laughs> and spending money that's kind of my life at the moment i did make i don't know if you guys have done something similar already but given that it's now october i have made my little uh viewing plan for halloween mm. which not to you know cast aspersions but now that i'm a solitary man it's mm. a lot easier to schedule because you know, now you have only one person going well am i in the mood to watch a movie now? the audience of one baby yeah so i i, ma- I did make my little list of um well firstly i already have a separate list which is my tv list where mm. i have about 30 tv shows including fraser and um M- uh, only murders in this building two shows that have been recommended from from csp um but that's all on pause now because all i'm watching this month is halloween stuff not counting shows that are ongoing yes. and weekly i mean my my stuff that i'm watching that i watch on demand or you know, through Blu-rays or DVDs, that stuff is just paused. But I'll still watch the new Beavis and Butthead when it comes out, or Lord of the Rings, or whatever. But I do my little Halloween movie list. I have a list of uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 movies and two series to watch. Okay. Um, so I am going to watch uh, Bly Manor and uh, Midnight Mass. Bly, uh, Bly Manor. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard, I've heard a lot of, but but it's all right. It it's is something all right. to watch. It's something to watch. Um, I, yeah, Bly, Bly Mass is fantastic. You like that? Yeah. Um, so I love both of those, and then I'll intersperse that with uh, a list of movies, two of which I've watched already. Okay. Which I'll be talking about later. But I also have on the list uh, one movie that I've seen before that I'm going to give a second go, which is okay. uh, The Witch. Lovely. Oh yes, the highly contentious witch. Okay, yes. contentious. so I'm gonna look. I'm gonna give it a second go. I'm gonna go in with a, a clean slate. Uh, did you I'm, see? Did you get around to seeing the Northman? No, I do have it on uh, DVD though. Okay, so. I was just gonna. I was because I, I was curious because you 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 were like the one person I know who didn't like the witch. Yeah, I'm like the one person I know who didn't like the Northman. Uh, right. you know, and I love I, the lighthouse. So the it's not, is great. It's, Every, everyone likes yeah, the lighthouse. It's not a it's not a director thing, you know. Uh, like, like I said, now having loved the lighthouse, maybe I can go into the witch and find commonalities with that. Okay. But also, I have on the list uh, it chapter two, Ooh. which I never got around to. I did watch the first one, never saw the second one. Uh, the movie is seven hours long. Okay. Yeah, one hundred and sixty nine <laughs> minutes. Oh God. God. Uh, Kill list. Never heard of it. Twenty eleven. Uh, Poltergeist. The uh, total. The original. Cooper. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Okay, yeah. Excellent. Uh, these are all mostly. <laughs> I think they're all originals. Uh, okay. Let the right one in. Also, the, the original. Not let me in. Yeah. Uh, the Omen, mm. which is uh, the only one of these that's on Disney Plus, which doesn't okay. have a horror 
section for some reason? No, it has like thrillers <laughs> and the horror stuff is in there, but it's very odd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's The Fog, mm. uh, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, oh. I'm going to watch for the first time. Uh, Ooh, baby. Scream, I'm going to watch for the first time. Oh, you'll love that. Uh, you're, you're in for a great Halloween now. These yeah, are great. Children of the Corn, yes, the original, the others, <laughs> Skeleton oh. Key. And the only one that's not not an original is the 2021 Candyman. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that's the list for this year. That is a very good list. I have not we have not made a list here with everything going on, but we we, we have begun watching the spooky yeah. film. And I will say, coming up later, I did watch. I saw that Red Letter Media put out a uh, review for Creep Show, a uh, oh, George yeah. Romero and Stephen King collaboration. So I've watched that. I'll have my review of that later. And I watched for the first time. Uh, Saw. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, a movie that a long time ago I swore that I would never watch. I, I, yeah. I've, I've now seen it. Series, very, very. Uh, uh, oh, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Dutifully <laughs> picked apart by Joe over the years. He's, he's the Saw journeyman. Yeah. Actually, on the subject of movies, I will say that the one, the one thing, uh, uh, the one sort of not painful out of the blue bill we got recently that we're actually somewhat excited about got the old television upgrade on the way oh baby which is a really rare occurrence for someone we've joked a lot on this uh podcast about the consoles the memory memory storage the all that kind of thing i've never been a i've never been a, a a frequent television upgrader i have not bought myself no. a new television i cannot i actually can't remember I, I i i don't think it was literally at the dawn of high definition because i think i've i've had i've bought two in that in, since that game thing but that's that's what we're talking about, like extremely rare uh so we got a 4k jobby on the way Ooh, uh with support for 120 hertz for the for the next gen for the six next gen games that do it yeah. Um. Uh. Things like that. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And oh, then it is uh, it is revolutionary. Let me tell you. Although I do only have one 4K film uh, on 4K Blu-ray. Actually, no. Sorry, it's, it's a box set. I have the first three Jurassic Parks on uh, 4K because it was in like a clearance bin somewhere. Yeah. Uh. But also, like most of the Disney Plus stuff, if it if it has a 4K option, it's up there. Yeah. And they don't charge you extra for it, which is nice. So I'm looking forward to that. That's arriving tomorrow. Um, so so looking forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, I've watched some uh, shit I can talk about for films this week. But we'll leave that for later. Why don't we kick off here uh, 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 with a little live wrestling report to kind of off here. Our man on the scene, Joe Towner, take us through where you were at this this weekend. Live at New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest Two. Mm. Um, so long-term listeners may remember before the pandemic, uh, I attended Royal Quest 1, or as it was known at the time, Royal Quest, uh-huh. at the uh, Copper Box Arena in London. Um, so when I saw, before I get into the show, let me have a little bit of a background to it. Yeah. So I saw the announcement of the show, Royal Quest 2, and I thought, oh. but to be honest, I'm not that into New Japan, really. I haven't watched a New Japan show in probably a couple of years. Yeah. I wasn't particularly excited about it. I thought, well, maybe... But then I saw the venue of the show and it was being held at the Crystal Palace National Sports Centre, which won't mean much to anyone listening or to you guys, but it's essentially a, a sports centre very, very close to me. It's about right. uh, two miles down the road. And when I saw that, I thought, I can't not go to a New Japan show that is literally 
in my neighborhood. Yeah, like, it'd, be, it'd be like closing the curtains if they were in my back. <laughs> you know I mean, like, I, it'd be rude not to go. And it's also quite a special venue to me because, firstly, we don't get a lot of big shows in Southeast London because we don't have like that many venues. So for an event like that to be nearby is, is pretty special. It's mm-hmm. also um, was the scene of me queuing uh, for three hours with my mum in 1995 for a Premier League sticker swap shop. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the exact same hall where Royal Quest 2 was held was where they were handing out the uh, 1995 Premier League stickers. So I've only been there twice. <laughs> Once for New Japan and once for Premier League stickers. So Yeah, you haven't changed. Priorities, priorities. Um, so I thought, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll get tickets. And then I, the other thing is Michelle's away at the moment. So I was kind of thinking, well, should we both just go to like one night? But then when I realized she was away, I was like, sorry, I'll, um, I'll get, you know, one ticket to, to each night. Mm. Um, having said that, I'll be completely honest, guys. I didn't actually go to night two. No, I I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I was, I, not that it wasn't like enjo- night one wasn't enjoyable, but I was just thinking, do I want to sit through three hours of uh, multi man tag match? You know, yeah. six man, eight man, ten man tags. Not particularly, and I was busy like this morning, and it meant I had to get over there and then rush back to do the podcast, and so I thought. And also the card for the second night looked ropey. Yeah. It was Zack Sabre Jr. And, and Naito in the main event. I was like, oh, I just can't be bothered. So I didn't actually go, but I, t- I did really enjoy night one. Um, first of all, the venue itself, like it's it's not an arena. It's like it's literally like a sports center. So you right. walk in and on the right, there's a swimming pool. And there's, you know, as we're queuing to get into the venue, there's people coming out with their like wet hair and flip flops on because they've just been for their afternoon swim. So it's mm. it's essentially like a big leisure center. Um, so you kind of picture that. And then in the big hall is, is where they had the event, um, which does mean the kind of sides of it are these huge, you know, windows. It's, it's all glass. So you kind of have all the, the natural light pouring through, which made for like a really interesting kind of visual, which was which was good. Um, so, yeah, I think a, a really kind of interesting venue is about 2000 people. Um, for that kind of show, I think it's is really really good. So hopefully they'll, you know, come back there in the future. Um, so good venue. Got in there, got to my seat. I did get the cheapest seat, so I was stuck far to one side, mm. craning my neck slightly. But obviously a small venue, you, it's a perfect view anyway. You know, I was only fifty meters from the ring. Um, unfortunately, in front of me, I did have the two least funniest cunts to ever walk <laughs> God's screen earth. So um, yeah, so we recorded an episode there anyway, folks. I, I wanted to reveal it later, but we do have a little live reaction cast. Um they yeah. Now I don't mind people having fun at re- look, people go to wrestling to have fun, to shout no, out, to, to cheer, to be whatever. But these two fucking arseholes, uh row four seats one and two, in case you know they happen to be <laughs> If your fans, yeah. If, if they unfortunately survived the trip home, then um, hi. <laughs> um, for for three and a half hours, they did not stop shouting out ironic, ironically detached kind of quippy <sighs> jokes like, "Oh, you're not going to pin him with a power slam, ha <laughs> ha." Oh, oh, oh no, the Hill faction are cheating. Oh, referee, <laughs> get control of the match. Um, like literally every 10 seconds for three and a half hours, they were shouting out some kind of 
dreadfully unfunny fucking remark to the point where I actually at one point put my headphones in. Was <laughs> I, I, were they uh, recording themselves for their their YouTube blog? Were they? I, yeah. I, I, I can only you can imagine. You can't your back. It, oh God, it was awful, and I, I couldn't stand it. So I did put my headphones in for okay. the last couple of, couple of matches just to block them out. <laughs> really, really wound me up. Um, so that was bad enough. Next to me, I had another guy who was kind of there on his own, and he he started chatting to me, and he was a nice enough guy. But he was telling me, you know, he's a huge Jay White fan, and he was like, "I'm, I'm really here for <laughs> I my earphones." In at that point, <laughs> <laughs> I popped the earphone out and went, "Was like, oh, yeah. straight back." He's in. like, "Oh, those two so, are annoying, aren't they? Yeah, we're here for we we're, we're not messing. We're here for the great wrestling." Like, yeah, I know. So yeah, when did you first start watching Jay White? Yeah, you know, <laughs> he was like. He was like, oh, I love Jay White. He's he's the best heel in wrestling. Um, and he and he was like, oh, the psychology is counter wrestling. It's the best in the business. And I was like, nodding like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. My favorite wrestler is the acclaimed because they sell the most T-shirts and they do the scissor. And, that, you know, this is, and he was telling me about all the other wrestlers. And to be honest, like, I didn't even recognize half the names because I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't know what Haku's son is called. I just know that he's like... <laughs> Yeah. Seven foot tall and he's Haku's son. So when he tells me the name, I'm just like, mm, yeah. Anyway. He's like David um, Finley's finisher. Yeah. I, I think eventually he got the clue and started like talking to someone else. <laughs> oh. I didn't really know what was going on. You joined in with the podcast happening in front of you. Basically. So that was that was the crowd around me. Um we got into the actual event itself. It was it was good. It was a lot of kind of fun matches, um, like I said, a lot of tag matches, a lot of six-man matches. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly stand out until it got to the the penultimate match, which was um, Osprey versus uh, I always forget his name, Shota Umino. Umino, Shota Umino. Um, that was that was pretty good. It wasn't like a complete blow away sort of you know five-star Osprey match, but it was it was it was very good. And the guy in front of me very much. This was. Another guy, not the, the twats or the, the Jay White fan. Um, this was another guy who really did not like Will Ospreay. As soon as Ospreay came out, he was chanting, you're just a fucking, uh, what was it? Like, you're an Essex wanker. You're stupid Essex wanker. Like, he really aggressively as well. Like, he really did not Will Ospreay. And he was like, oh, what was the other one? Osprey is a cunt. Osprey is a cunt. Like, all this stuff, like. And then a guy behind me shouted, Kenny Omega's better. And this guy turned around and went, yeah. He was like wagging his finger in there going, yeah, yeah, Kenny, yeah you're right. You're right, mate. I, didn't know, I did not know people like this really existed, like in, in the wild. What, you know, geniuses? I, I did, like the, this kind of like Twitter forum mentality. People who yeah. genuinely care about Omega and Osprey and who's the better ra- yeah. Fuck, he's some bollocks. Um, <laughs> that's that's always been our attitude. But I think I think, I I think when you go when you actually go to a wrestling show, you kind of realize you're like, oh no, we're in the minority mm. because because when you go to wrestling, you know that's that's everyone. Everyone is like that. Because I always remember, I always remember like uh, let's see, I can't even I can't even remember how many how many years ago it was. I was listening to a podcast. It was a, it's a video game podcast, but there was some like they were very casual wrestling fans, and they in the peak of the elite and Ring of Honor era they went to a ring of honor show and came back on the podcast and were they did one of the hosts and he's a nice guy i'm not trying to shit talk him but he thought he was being really cool by wearing a bullet club shirt and then he came back and he said they were fucking everywhere everyone had a bullet club shirt i was like what i was like like, (laughs) that's everyone everyone's like that like you're you know so it's just like yeah anyway it is a is a shock to see uh kind of real wrestling fans in a 
Because <laughs> obviously we sit in our little Twitter bubble with people that think exactly the same as us and make fun of like Bullet Club and, and all this stuff. And you never see like the actual people that are buying tickets who, mm. who are genuinely like into like Aussie Open, for example. There are a lot right. of Aussie Open fans there. Yes. I was very surprised. They are very popular. Very passionate fans. Um, so that kind of brings us to the main event, which was finally uh, some real stars came out. Um uh, FTR, the uh, tag, tag team champions, IWGP tag team champions. So they came out. Everyone, you know, they were the most over. They got the biggest reaction, really, because you know they're the they're the real TV stars. Um, yeah. They were wrestling at Aussie Open in the main event in a in a title match, and I have to say, absolutely fantastic match. It was quite long. I think it was like thirty five minutes, possibly longer. Um, a few moments where it dragged a little bit, but I would put it up there. Hard to compare kind of live versus watching uh, on video, but up there with the kind of two Briscoes matches from earlier in the year. Maybe not as good as the first one, but probably around the same quality as the second one. Okay. Um, But yeah, really, really good. I was, it was the only time I actually kind of participated. I was chanting, you know, for FTR. There was a bit of a dueling chant of Aussie Open, FTR. And I was, I think FTR were winning, but you know, we we gave it some. It's also a, a very, a classic football chant kind of broke out, which was, uh, ooh, ah, FTR. I said, ooh, ah, FTR. <laughs> so that's a, that's a new one. They, I, um, Dax kind of got a real kick out of that one. He sort of turned around when the crowd started chanting. It was like very, very happy to hear this. So that was great. Um, so yeah, really, really good match. Um, I should also say, I completely forgot, obviously, at the beginning of the show was, it's the first show since the death of Antonio Inoki, mm. um, which we could talk about in a second, but, they did a um, little tribute. The whole roster came out, stood in the ring. Um, there was like five minutes standing ovation for him to pay tribute. And then, of course, a 10, 10 bell salute as well, which was really nice. And everyone kind of joined in. I think you could see like the wrestlers were quite moved by it. And the fact that even though, you know, being thousands of miles away and in South London, that people really showed their appreciation for the great man himself, Mr. Anoki. So mm. um, that was really, that was really nice and very kind of, special moment to be part of the first show after that and the, the first kind of tribute to him as well. So I was glad I was, I was there for that, that kind of moment. So that was great. Um, was yeah, better, so better observed than the, the queen, uh, minute silence. We've seen it was uh, Im- impeccably observed. Um, <laughs> Shut <yeah>. up dickhead. <laughs> None of that. Everyone was, uh, okay, everyone was silent and, and reverent. So, um, overall a really good show. Um, I would say though, lads, FTR, they, they won the match with the big rig. And then they did do a little promo afterwards, which I know made some mention that on Twitter. I have to say, he did he did just say the thing about, oh, you know, Tony Khan, brother, we still work for you. Please book us. It was a very kind of jokey, like offhand comment. It wasn't like he was doing a scathing promo about it. It was He, he then just went on to put over the crowd and Aussie Open and everything. Like, it, sometimes these things out of context kind of sound worse than the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they won with the big rig. But the thing is, lads, that wasn't the final bump of the night. There was there was another big bump yet to come. So, show ends. I leave the uh, the facility. Most people leaving, of course, are heading towards the train station because they're going off to their hotel or they're going back to whatever you know middle of nowhere place they live in that's not London. Um, <laughs> me being the local, obviously, I'm going in the opposite direction to the, to the bus stop to just get the bus down the road home. Um, the thing is about the the sports centre. It's in the middle of Crystal Palace Park, which is a quite a big park. It's probably 
like a mile or a couple of miles, like from from top to bottom. So it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fairly big place. I come out of the centre. I start heading towards where I know the exit is to to go to the bus stop. You know, Michelle and I go there quite often, so I you know I know my way around the park. Pitch black in the park. Once you get away from the centre, there's absolutely no lights on. Right. So I'm walking through this pitch black, uh, pitch black park. I kind of know my way because I can see like some uh, signposts and then sort of familiar, you know, locations. I'm walking through the dark, obviously very scary. There's mm. clearly ghosts in there because <laughs> why would there not be yeah. in a park? Yeah. By the time I get a couple of minutes away, I'm literally the only person around. There's not a single person near me. So I'm walking through this park all alone by myself, completely pitch black. I get to where I need to go to the gate that, that comes out to the main road. Um, I think, God, finally made it. Get up to the gate, get a bit closer. The gate's locked. No. Oh, so, no. so at this point, I've, I've got two choices. Firstly, I can turn back and Don't spend eat. 15 minutes walking through the haunted park where I'm yeah. going to get... Yeah. Yeah. And you're uh, not making it back. You're not making it back. Uh, no, yeah. I'm going to get attacked by the ghosts from yeah. Smile. You were lucky from, once. You were lucky once. You know, uh, Somehow, I managed to get away once. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, I've got to walk even further, get out of the other side of the park, and then walk all the way back round. So I'm like, it's going to take me an extra half an hour to get home. So I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. I decide to climb over the gate. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too, it's not like a really high gate. It's like a no. kind of six, seven foot high gate, um, with a couple of meters. And there's a big kind of gap in the middle where you can stick your foot. So I did that, stuck my foot in, climbed up over the gate. Now, you know, lads at our age, we're not like, jumping around and climbing a lot anymore yep. you know what i mean it doesn't not not very often so i was also a bit worried about someone like spotting me climbing out of the park at, at that time of night and wondering <laughs> what i was up to so rather than slowly climbing down the other side i just kind of like jumped from the top of the gate down to the pavement um landed with a bit of a bump a uh, bit of pain in the leg and the hip and i'll tell you something a bit of a shockwave to the old testicles as well. <laughs> they were hey, the old yeah. yambags old over there. The old yambag. There was a real like, oh Jesus, right in the yambag. So, but it was fine. I limped away to the bus stop, got on the bus, got home, and everything was fine. So, um, all in all, I have to say, big big thumbs up for the event. I know I didn't go to the second night, but to be honest. <laughs> Like, I don't want to watch Zack Sabre Jr. versus nah. I don't fucking care. And I probably would have been sat next to some twats for three and a half hours. And, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm really glad I went. I thought it was a, a great show. And um, yeah, definitely will be going again if they come back. Ideally one night, or at least release the card ahead of time so I know which yeah. night to go to rather than make me buy both. But yeah, it did seem yeah. it did seem like there was a lot of there was a lot of disappointment I saw when those cards came out. Now I I, I look at those cards and like, yeah, that's disappointing. But you like you had to know Aussie Open and FDR was gonna be great. But yeah. um but yeah, I mean especially because like it wasn't not only were they not released ahead of time, but those cards were posted like two weeks ago for shows that just happened yeah. now. Like that's crazy. That's it was crazy. a little bit. I think. Um, I think the when I f- the first Royal Quest, obviously there was a really big novelty of seeing mm. all those guys as well. Because you know, seeing Okada and Tanahashi live was like, wow, it's amazing. Um, obviously, seeing it again, it's not quite special. You want to see good matches, not just see the guys again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't think the card quite had the same quality. Also, it, looking at their roster. It's pretty much the same as it was at the first Royal Quest. You know, there's no, there's no one really there that you would say no, has come right. through in the last few years. It, it is exactly the same guys. It's Zach, it's Osprey, it's Tanahashi, it's Okada, it's Ishii, uh, mm. you know, and the, the few others. It's the Bullet Club. 
uh, JY, it's um, the Gorillas of Destiny, it's, you know, all these lads, the great O'Khan, Gideon Gray, uh, mm. interesting uh, performer. Um, uh, yeah, so it, a bit stale as well, I think, is, is a slight problem in New Japan, but I think we kind of knew that. But yeah, still, still, still enjoyed it as a kind of one night event. Well, you can thank AEW's existence for that a little bit. Quite possibly. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to attend one of those someday. Um, yeah. I've a lot, like, although you guys are, yeah, you know, a bit bored now seeing Okada and Tanahashi. I would quite like to see them once <laughs> <laughs> someday. If yeah. it was the first time, yeah, it would, it would be great. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I mean, we we went through a, a purple patch of seeing a lot of the New Japan guys over in Dublin, but uh, yes, we'll be a bit. Those days are long and those past. days are fucking over. Get Gangrelian, please. Oh, winds um, have led to wolves happening. <laughs> So, that's our new section for this week. Yes. Oh yeah, Barry, we have a new format. I know. I I, since, I, I since like. Yeah, I, I yeah. I I liked it. I think we were too we were too rigid in the past, uh, yeah, and yeah. I, I I like I like what you've done with the boys. Well done. All right. So now we're on to the cues section. Uh, the last one and a half weeks, we did twenty questions. Obviously, we didn't right. record it last week. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> So I, I have more, a more classic quiz here. It's, it's just a 10-question format, five each. Whoever gets the most points is the winner. There's no, no special gimmick to it. It's just it is what it is. I will say, though, with the asterisk of that this was based on a Reddit thread that I was reading in the week. Okay. So if, if any of the uh, answers are to be disputed... Then I'm sorry. I, I not, I'm not the source of these. So. Am I the asshole for getting these questions completely wrong? <laughs> so it's the weird wrestling fact quiz. Okay. okay. So I came across a good, a really good Reddit thread in the week, uh, just where people were sharing really obscure or, or strange wrestling facts. Okay. Uh, and from some of those, I was able to turn them into questions. Um, some of them I wasn't able to. So stuff like. Uh, of evolution, uh, Ric Flair has had the most recent match, and that Vince McMahon, <laughs> Vince McMahon has paid more money for sex than he paid for WCW and ECW combined. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have ten questions here, as I said, uh, and a tie break in case we need it. Uh, so who would like to go first? Uh, Joe, you can go first. I'll go first. Hey, right, Joe. Question one for you, uh, and I will say for these questions, some of them will require that you don't stop and think for two minutes before giving your answer. There'll be a little bit of pressure on, on giving an answer. Okay. Okay. Question one, Joe, what was the first ever WrestleMania main event uh, that was participated by men using their real names exclusively? Oh, shit. Uh, oh, my God. That's a really tough one. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, no. <laughs> How long are you going to give me to try and get through every single main event? <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns and... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. That is the correct answer. Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent. I think I've heard that before, actually. WrestleMania 19 was the first one. Well, obviously, in the in the 80s and 90s, they're all... Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I didn't work I, names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question two for Barry, and I will say, Barry, this um, is a 
is a number question, so you have a leeway of two on this, okay? Okay. So if you come within two of the answer, I will give you the point. Uh, the most finishers ever performed by a wrestler in a single match without winning the match <laughs> was in the Hell in a Cell match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend. How many curb stomps did he perform <laughs> in that match? Oh, God. I remember this because it was like mental. It was something absolutely mental. So if you oh, get within two, I'll give you the point. Uh, this is actually really annoying because I think I've heard this before. I have heard this before, but I, I'm, I'll say eight. Oh, I'm sorry, Barry. It was 11. Oh! So you, don't, you do not. You were very close, but you don't get the point, I'm afraid. God damn. Joe, over to you. Who was, or to whom, maybe, uh, was Triple H's last televised wrestling defeat? Oh, it's going to be someone completely random, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say Vince McMahon. It's incorrect. Barry, do you know it off the top of your head? Undertaker? It was Curtis Axel. Mm. What? Mm. He's lost since then. Not on TV. Oh, TV. By televised, I thought you just meant broadcasted. Oh, sorry. Maybe I should have written TV lost. I thought um, TV, yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, so we won't get the point on that one. Take it up with Reddit, not me. Uh, Barry, yeah. which former WWE champion won the title six times but never did it on a non-WrestleMania pay-per-view? So the only pay-per-views they won it on were WrestleMania. That's correct. Oh, six times. Oh, I have no fucking idea. Uh, now, I will clarify. Go on. That doesn't say that they won all six on pay-per-view. On pay-per-view, yeah, I got they that. They never okay. won the title on a non-WrestleMania pay-per-view. Okay. They never never won the title on a non-WrestleMania pay-per-view. Okay. Um... This is fucking hard. Um, Hulk Hogan? It's not Hulk Hogan. Do you know, Joe? Give give me it again. Which former WWE champion won the title six times, but never did it on a non-WrestleMania pay-per-view? There's no throw over the points, so it's just if you know it or you don't know it. No, pass. Uh, Well, he did it three times at WrestleMania and three times on Raw. Uh, he won at WrestleMania 14, 15, and 17. It was Steve Austin. <gasps> Jesus oh, Christ. Huh? Of course. Yeah, that seemed, that's really obvious after you know it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Joe, question five. Who were the other wrestlers involved in Randy Savage's last ever match? Uh, Toby Maguire. <laughs> Randy Savage's last match. It must be like, uh, oh, is it the TNA match? Fuck, I have no idea. I think it was that match, but I have no idea who was in it. You have no idea. Do you know, Barry? Uh, Hall, Nash, Jarrett, and Jeff Hardy. And AJ Styles. And AJ Styles. Yeah, it was a six-man tag, yeah. Um, AJ Styles, who was, as we mentioned a few months ago, involved in Randy Savage and The Undertaker's last ever mm. match. He was in both of them. Uh, Barry, score is still 1-0, so this is the tie-up. Mm. Uh, it's, again, very similar to 
format to the last question. <sighs> Which former WWE champion never won the title by pinfall or submission? Former WWE champion. Never won the title by pinfall or submission. Um, can you confirm for me what title lineage we're talking about here? Are we talking about the WWF title or a world title in WWE? A world title in WWE. Uh, Christian? Christian is the correct answer. Um, yes. uh, ladder match and DQ. DQ, yes. The famous Randy Orton DQ. For each thing. of these. Uh, he did win the TNA title by pinfall, obviously. Yeah. Can you make it for that? <laughs> Here's a good one for you, Joe. It is one all now. Mm. Um, can you name the only tag team to have wrestled in WWE, WCW, ECW, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Mm. Oh. ECW, TNA, Ring of Honor. Oh, who would have been in Ring of Honor? Uh... I'm going to say the Headbangers. It's not the Headbangers. Good guess. Do you know, Bear? Uh, I don't know for certain, but I think possibly the Public Enemy. Oh, it's a good guess. It's closer Ooh. than the Headbangers. Ooh. No, it's the Insane Clown Posse. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Anyway, Barry, over to you. Uh, who is the first person? Younger than WrestleMania itself to have won the main event. The main event. Okay, we're looking. We're looking obviously in the last few years. I'd say so. God, this is. I was just thinking about this recently. I, I recent WrestleMania rate of ends. No fucking clue. Absolutely no fucking clue. Um, Brock would have been in his twenties at nineteen. Cena and Batista were both older. Uh. Main of uh, Becky Charlotte, all younger. Bianca Belair? It's not Bianca Belair. Joe, do you have any idea? Is it Seth freaking Rollins? That's the correct answer. Seth ah. Rollins was 28 at WrestleMania 31. 31 yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Joe, last question to you. Put the pressure on. Which wrestler? has only ever had two matches at WrestleMania, and they were both the main event. Um, two matches at WrestleMania were the main event. I will say, just to clarify, this is, this is um, possibly true of more than one person with recent WrestleManias, but this, let's say this is not including the most recent WrestleMania, just to clarify. Right. Two WrestleManias and they were both the main event. Oh, is it? Wait, did he have another one? 12, 11, 10. Is it Sid? It is Psycho Sid. That's correct. Excellent. 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 I only ever had two and they were both main events. And then Barry, to tie it up at the end and take it to the tiebreaker, who are the only wrestlers? Now, there are two. I will clarify that. To have had both a five star match, as per the Wrestling Observer. And a minus five star match. Hmm. 
I want to be really certain. I wonder if you've heard this heard this fact before. I, I have not heard this fact, but I'm I'm, I'm thinking in my head. Yeah. The number of five stars at Mania are very limited. I know. Well, I, I never know. said I never said at Mania on this one. Uh, not Mania. Wait, wait, no, sorry. What, so, what was the repeat question for me? Who are the only wrestlers to have had both a five star match and a negative five star match? Oh, sorry, I, I was thinking Mania. That's never the mind. Okay. Yeah, the last few questions are WrestleMania. This one is not. Minus five is so fucking rare. How do you? Um... um... Oh my god! I mean, I have no clue. My my guess for for if I thought it was a mania thing would have been Brett for like the Austin match and the Vince match, but I don't I don't think that Vince match was minus five. I think he gave like a dud or something. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely no idea. I'll I'll take I'll take two complete stabs in the dark. Yeah. I will say. Brett and Terry Funk. No, it's a team. It's actually a tag team. Oh, I, okay. I had yeah, no idea. It's, it's, uh, it's the Bushwhackers. Oh. The, or the Sheepherders. They would have yeah. been prior to, yeah, 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 yeah. Prior to WWF. Never in a million years. That's a good okay. so, Joe, you're the winner. On the, Joe on is the, the winner. Well done, Joe. Two one. I'll give you the tiebreaker just for, for pride. right? For fun so it, it's a question, and then there's a maths element to it. So, Oh, dear. You can probably bait. You, you can... You, you can Probably answer the question based on the weird wrestling fact quiz nature of, of the quiz. Uh, who has had more matches in their career? MJF or Brock Lesnar? MJF. It is MJF. But by mm. how many more matches has he had than Brock Lesnar? Three. 50. Barry, very close. 54. <laughs> yes. Uh MJF had 481 matches Jesus. to Brock Lesnar's 427. Wow. There you go. Uh, so Joe, you're the winner. The winner is you. Well done, Joe. Well, nice one. Good quiz. Speaking of Joe. Good segue. Speaking of me. Joe. Uh we have an email. Joe. I do have an email. Thank you so much for emailing in uh Jamie Malcolm. Um he says, subject, Royal Quest 2. Hi, Joe. Not sure if you'll see this before before the show, but I heard you mention going to Royal Quest on Saturday. My usual wrestling show companions aren't going. So I wondered if I'll, be, I'll to... be sitting in row two, One. and I love Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> also, me and my oh, mate no. are trying to start our own podcast, like you. Can we send you our pilot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send it to Chris Blake. Okay. Um my usual wrestling show companions aren't going, so I wondered if you wanted to meet up beforehand. Oh, Card looks Joe. a bit naff, but should be fun. I'm so sorry, Jamie. I only I only read the emails literally like before the show. So I read this like, as we were starting the show. If I had read it earlier in the week, I absolutely 100% would have uh, shown you all of the sites of uh, Crystal Palace and the surrounding areas <laughs> that I, I know. That's like, where I got my David Beckham sticker that one time. Oh, you could have given him the David Beckham Premier League sticker <sighs> tour. Oh, Joe. Next time next time you're going to a show in London, check your emails. Oh, God. I'm so sorry, Jamie. But I promise you, if there, when there's a Royal Quest 3, we're, we're going to go together. I, pro- I like Remind me of this. When there is mm. a next Royal Quest, 
I will 100% go and you can tell me all about Jay White and how he's the best <laughs> in the business. <laughs> but I apologize for Prusy. If you, if anyone needs to get in touch with me, send me a Twitter, send me a tweet. Yes. Cause I will, yeah. I, I, I'm on Twitter literally probably 14 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> nearly as much as Barry. So yeah, nearly. He's nearly, he's going for my record, which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but um thank you so much for that uh, very kind offer jamie i'm very sorry to have not read it until now but i uh, hope you enjoyed the show please do email us in email in for next week and let us know what you thought of it where you sat next to anyone annoying um for example <laughs> there was a yeah. fella behind me he had his fucking earphones in the whole time what a <laughs> <laughs> um yeah email in let us know what you thought of the show um what you made of the crowd and everything uh, we'd love to hear that yeah do send us a report uh, tell us how joe snubbed you <laughs> uh yeah that was my that was my email all righty thanks for that jamie cheers jamie uh, uh for that uh we'll jump in here to the wrestling reviews this week um, uh, dynamite and rampage. Bit, bit, of a, bit of a down week, I would say overall. Yeah, I think the crowds weren't mm. great. Um, I think they are in a bit of a reset era, like post punk and post box. Um, yeah, uh, sure. which I've seen. I've seen reviews all over the shop for the last few weeks of television. Mm. I think they've mostly been good, but I. I've firmly been of the belief that I feel like the cloud of what happened is still very much hanging over the show. For sure, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I've heard people say literally the exact opposite, that they feel energized. Um, the other thing that's worth completely unrelated to, you know, punk and all the drama, and Tony Khan has been tweeting about this, is they do literally seem to be tr- working harder to let segments breathe more. And he's he's going out of his way. I don't know if he's doing this to, like, troll people, but it is – you can see it on the shows. He's going out of the way to say we're doing more videos. We're we're fucking getting more stories, and yeah. they they have to walk a fine line. They're not quite WWE levels yet, which which way overdo it. But they're getting way better at here's the thing that happened last week. Here's the video of what happened last week. Here's the video package setting up this segment. So I think it's a combination of we're transitioning a little bit. We're going in some new directions, but also we're slowing the show down, uh, which I think is ultimately a good thing. I am firmly in the camp that they do way too much. TNA to the back yeah. moments, sure. um, but yeah, that's that's broad strokes on the current direction. I thought I thought both I, well, that's what, I thought I thought I thought Dynamite was good and I thought Rampage was okay um, uh, this week. Ramp- what did you Rampage was uh, another skippable. Yes, um, uh, show. Willow, Willow and Jamie Hader was a lot of fun. That was um, good. Uh, am I going to tell you you have to go out of your way to watch Rampage to see it? No, probably not. Um, no, I think it was a it was a down week for me. Sometimes they they do have this after a big show. It's just a I didn't think it was that bad. I did see a lot of the, the talk around dynamite and it just being overall of, of people really not liking it or saying it was a bad show. I thought it was fine. It wasn't like I oh, really like the main event. Best episode, yeah. The main event I thought very good. Even like the page or the the Soraya segment um, that I. It I've seen someone level. calling it like the worst segment in the history of um, oh, not Dynamite. Even close. I'm sorry, but do you not remember those uh, spooky Brandy Rhodes segments from three years uh, ago? I mean, like, come on. Uh, do you remember I, I, Brandy Rhodes and Dan Lambert from this year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would not say the worst segment, but I think it's on the. I think it's the first entry on that listicle. I think it's number ten. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think it's ten if you're yeah. making the list. I, it was pretty fucking bad. It but, was um, not good. Uh, yeah, I've got. I actually, they they literally just rode Dan Lambert out of town on a railroad. 
Uh, like he has not been seen in, and they gave him no write off. They just put Ethan Page and something else. Anyway, that's all the thing. I mean, I, I feel like we have to talk about the Soraya thing at the top because that is uh, maybe. I think this show overall was not bad. But I think the reason it has a bad uh, uh, vibe about it, like in terms of fan reaction, is because that's the most popular and most uh, most talked about aspect of it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think the main criticism that I completely agree with is that having her come in and sort of overhype in my opinion and and parrot some of the the very uh, uh basically bring into AEW canon that the division is bad i think is such a gigantic own goal um and it not and obviously you know she was using uh, the verbiage they used in WWE six or seven years ago, whatever it was. But also, I didn't like the whole, girls, why don't you come all down here and all the baby faces come out yeah, together. Yeah. Side note, you know what makes it look bad? The fact that you have six fucking baby faces in your entire division is also not bad. And then you have four heels who are all in one faction. You're not doing yourself any favors with that. I mean, that was all, that's all primo WWE stuff. Um, uh, and I, it's just so bad. I mean, Especially I as the division is the best it's been for a long time, I think, in terms of the depth and the people they've signed, it's actually way better than it's ever been really totally. i know maybe the champion isn't as strong or you know you don't have that brit baker kind of when she was at her peak but it's it's good there's been good matches there's a solid enough roster there so it's a bit like well and there's lots of people who are on the roster who weren't involved in the segment you jade and her team nyla and mm. um marina shafir and um, yeah you know the japanese ladies Sheeta, rio emmy and mm. so on um, my main problem with it is that she uh, she rambled nonsensically for about half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it just went on forever. And then I think she went, uh, oh, we'll do a lumberjack match. And it's for the title. Like she like she forgot that that was the point of the promo. The, the worst the worst gimmick match of all time, the lumberjack <laughs> match. Um, and it's funny because cause I was watching with Brona, who knows Soraya from Total Divas, and she was kind of like, you know, I never really liked her. And I said, you know, to be honest, personality-wise, I have always found her to be massively grating i never liked her promos never really liked her character work i was i was kind of catching Brona up as to what her situation is with her injuries and stuff like that and i was like wwe tried to make her an on-screen person multiple times it was always terrible it was always mm-hmm. terrible um you know i i think I, I think she's super grating and then she went on commentary she was terrible at that um yeah, I mean it's 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 not only a bad segment, but it's also it's it, it it's 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 like you're talking about how bad your division is, but this person you brought in to quote unquote fix it, the only thing on her resume seems to be that she was in WWE because performance wise she put in the worst you know promo and commentary of anyone in the whole division. Do you know what I mean? I mean you can give her a little bit of a pass because it's been a few years, but like God damn, yeah, I mean, Britt came off way more assured when she came. Oh, out. totally. And I've seen yeah. people mention about the um, the Soraya promo that she, uh, you know, it wasn't clear afterwards if she's here to wrestle or if she here she's here to, as a GM figure or whatever. Yeah, I didn't think anything was clear about her promo. I didn't know what she was no. talking about most of the time. Um, like not even specifically that, but I like she for as long as she talked, I didn't come away with three bullet points of what I've learned from her promo. It was very ambiguous it was very vague um i'm here now this is my house this is the revolution i'm really here for like well what well, she didn't say anything she said a lot without saying anything yep. and then she went on commentary as if we hadn't heard enough from her uh, and i i had a feeling that it, 
it went over time because it just felt like it went on forever. Uh, I didn't feel like anything was necessarily pared down because of it, so maybe maybe they gave her time. But um, mm. yeah, it was uh, it was definitely not as fo- as focused as stuff like even when Punk debuted and he had his time to do his promo and some other similar um, happenings like that. This, this was the one that felt the most like she like she felt unprepared for it. You know? the, after this week, I was feeling like countdown to the Soraya isn't happy and wants to leave stories coming out <laughs> because it's not immediately going to plan. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty bad. And like, I, I think we're all firmly of the belief that look, the division needs more TV time. It needs a little bit more energy to it. That's fine. But, I, I, you know, you can't come out here and use similar verbiage to when, like, you know, like the the Divas division as it was at the time, you know, all the stories about how they weren't allowed to do certain high spots and things like that because it was seen as encroaching on the men's territory. These are apples and oranges situations. At the end of the day, the AW women just need a little bit more time and maybe a couple more signings to flesh out the depth of the division. It's yeah. not some train wreck, embarrassing fucking, you know, wrestling around in pudding spectacle. It's it's uh, it's the solid foundation that just needs a bit of work and yeah. it was bad. And and like a lot like a lot of these signings you kind of have to wonder I, what are they paying Paige? I or Soraya, what are they paying her? I really I'm really curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um look, it seems like everyone involved including her knows it was not a big it was not a big success. Yeah. Let's see if they readjust in week 2. Do you know what I mean? Like, how about she comes out and says, hey, everyone, I'm going to wrestle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or how about she comes out and says, hey, everyone, I'm not going to wrestle. Like, just say it, you know. Um, yeah, have some uh, clear direction for her. Yeah. It, it also didn't help that when, when the babyface girls did come out, that I had no idea who Madison Rain was. Yes. And that, yeah. But that comes back to TV time and how <laughs> they're seen her on TNA. Come on. Yeah. I, know, I know who she was, but... Just in this segment, didn't recognize had, her. I didn't recognize her. I didn't know who. I was like, "Who's this She's other like person?" S- slightly different hair. Also, oh god, again, just so kind of like pretending our division is shit. This right here is Tony Storm. I know who Tony Storm is. I watched the fucking show. She's the champion for Christ's sake. Yeah. Why are you introducing her to me? I That's even know who Willow Nightingale is. She's like a mid carder, and I still know who she is. Like, why are you introducing? Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Can it was I throw so out something as well? Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to this specific element of it. Was there any spot in the match where someone went out of the ring and the lumberjacks got involved? Yes. I don't remember one. There was. Oh, there was. Okay. There was. Because yeah. I remember that happened, and and Braun asked me, "So is this the point?" And I went, "Yes, this is the point." Okay. They go out, and everyone fights, and it's stupid, and nobody cares. You know. Um, <laughs> oh god, lumber! I could happily go without ever seeing another lumber. And then, and then they did. The, who was on commentary? Was it Taz or someone? They're doing the hey uh, lumber Jill match. Oh, wait a minute, I'm saying lumber Jack over here, and pages. Like, I say lumber Jack. And, the thing is, there's there's always like six people at ringside getting fucking involved in the match anyway. So what yeah. what difference does it make? That's true. Um, it's just a random six people instead of the fucking entourage. Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, this is this is a funny promotion to start doing things like that. Same with the I obviously wasn't here last week. Same with the Eddie Kingston reverse decision last week. I'm like, but there's bullshit after the bell in every single one of yeah. your matches. You can't just suddenly flick a switch and pretend you care about it. You know. But anyway, um, what else was the uh, what else was the big story on this show? Uh, well, they all came. The Jericho Appreciation Society came out in purple suits. <laughs> mm. <laughs> People were losing their minds online about the women's. 
in their purple suits. Mm. Uh, and then they had that pizza guy again, and then he got beat up. And, oh, all right. Doesn't have this fucking pizza guy on it ever again, please. Um, Danielson came out, he had a match with Matt Menard. Unremarkable. Um, you should have said, actually, this was the, the that match went really long after Matt Menard got beaten up by a rapper last week. And I was that's what I kind of realized. Oh, this is the show where <laughs> yeah. they had like the card upended by the, the hurricane in, in yes, Florida. To be fair. They, yeah. and, like some of their roster were missing. So because Tony Khan was like, don't come if you can't. I didn't even uh, realize that anybody was missing. Do we know specifically who wasn't there? We don't know. We don't know specifically. But I, I, the main thing I was just kind of thinking was like every segment, like we were saying earlier, every segment got loads of time for lads yes. to just chat, and the camera got to hang afterwards. And you know, Danielson, who uh, you know, I mean, he, uh, I mean, Danielson likes to have competitive matches. I don't think he really likes going out and beating a guy in twenty seconds. But but logistically, looking at the uh, the booking tier list. That, that Matt Menard match probably sh- wouldn't have been so long under normal circumstances. Um, but yeah, I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying the Daniel Garcia story they're, they're doing. I love Daniel Garcia. I saw yeah. someone say on Twitter you shouldn't compare him to Randy Orton. And I think that's fair because uh, Randy Orton's a boring cunt and Daniel Garcia is <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I like Daniel Garcia as well. Although I also think Randy Orton's pretty good. Mm. Um MGF Wheeler Yuta. Now, I was very, very critical about Wheeler Yuta's promo skills last week face to face with MGF. And uh, I, will, I will concede that I felt like he performed slightly better this week, but I still mm-hmm. think he's not. He's not anything to, to, to call home about on the microphone. Um, I, I, I like this week. I, I, I thought this week was a little bit more confidence giving. If a little bit more fire to it. If you're if you're Tony Khan and you're looking at this lad saying, "Come on, give me your," he's fucking he's great at a lot of things, but like, let's see the fucking promo. I thought I thought this week was good, and it's it's really fucking tough having to do that against MJF. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, arguably the best guy in the business. Um, it is a bit kind of generic. Oh, I'm a fire in the face. I'll fucking kill you. But it, you know, I think I think it works. I think I think I've seen a little bit more progress from him than than Jungle Boy uh, oh, for comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm wondering. I mean, uh, in a way, I feel like he's kind of um, benefited a little. Obviously, you know, he, he was going to be Christian and then he had to lose Christian. I think he kind of benefits from the Christian feud having to be stretched out because Christian's hurt because that kind of gives him a bit more time to catch up. Because if he beat Christian at all out and then he moved on. And then he just had to rely on, okay, I'm Jungle Boy, I'm single star now, and he had to just do his promos. I feel like there'd be trouble. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like um, Yuda might have already lapped him in that regard. And Garcia is obviously ahead of both of them, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, um, I liked I liked the um, the press, uh, the the suite, the the, the MJF suite uh, yeah. brawl that they did. I do have a nitpick on this. Episode. Go on, Paul's nitpick of the week. It's my mm-hmm. nitpick of the week. So. Yuda is is saying, you know, MGF, you don't want to fight me in the ring. I'll leave you in a pool of blood on Broad Street, which was, I thought, a good line. And he, he delivered it very intensely, right? But then Austin and Colton Gunn came out. Yes. And MGF said, I'm not, I'm not going to say my catchphrase. They're going to say it. And then the way the segment ended was they said his catchphrase and walked away. Uh, what should have happened was, Wheeler Yuta would run up the ramp and beat the fuck out of the two of them on his own. Mm. Um, instead, nothing happened. And I just thought the, the segment had this weird flat ending where they just said his catchphrase and slowly walked backstage and Wheeler Yuta okay. looked on and nothing came of it. 
I mean, you're having him fight MJF next week in a match that most are already thinking he's not going to win. Let's get some fire under him. Let's have him just <laughs> run up, fucking put the nut on Austin Gunn. Double clothesline, <laughs> the fucking ass boys. Yeah, fair. Bonk their heads together. No, but like violent, like he headbutts one of them, fucking puts the other one in a submission. Stretches the other one, yeah. 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 Oh my God, we are Yuta's fucking out of control. <laughs> You're going to beat the fuck out of MJF. You know, gets, he has to go to jail. <laughs> well, if, if it was Raw in 1999, there definitely would have been a MJF's getting arrested uh, segment, or we are Yuta. Um, Moxie Robinson was yes. fine. It was okay. I mean, Moxie Robinson's good, but I feel like he has no character whatsoever, and he's just a guy who's all right. Yeah, for a guy they were bigging up on commentary, he's like, he's a, he's a free agent. I'm like, mm. he's fine. He's fine. I'm not racing to my checkbook if I'm Tony Khan. I liked when he was the flamboyant Moxie yeah. Robinson, more ironically. I've I've uh, I've liked Robinson a lot over the years. But, he's, mm. he's he's a bit of a Jay White clone at the moment. I feel, isn't he? Yeah, mm. I I'm not getting much from him. Unfortunately, I don't I, I don't think he's a natural heel. Um, yeah. Also, if they're not letting Andr- allegedly they're not letting Andrade do his fucking cool uh, spinning elbow move on the basis of Jericho doing the uh, Judas effect, uh, this lad shouldn't be allowed to do the uh, the. Kill switch as his move. I did. Good. I did think that's mental. That's yeah. mental. You are a mid carder from another promotion. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was pretty outrageous. And it's not even his like finisher. It's a uh, transition move. Transition yeah. move. Um, then we had the Soraya segment as we talked about, or Soraya as she Soraya. herself. Yeah. It. So we take that as um, gospel. Uh, then there was some fucking butchering the blade segment. Uh, fucking... They're very... doing Andrade family office dissension. Ooh. Yeah, and we had a acclaimed, a very brief acclaimed segment with Keith Lee. Um, Ricky Starks had a match that went about three seconds. Yeah, and uh, nothing much to talk about there. And then we had the main event, which was which was far and away the best thing on the show. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Bandito, let me tell you, put in a hell of a performance, a hell of a shop window performance here. Hell of a shift. That apparently they were so impressed they wanted to offer him a contract right away. And I mean, off the back of that performance, I can see it. Because he, mm. fucking hell, in, in one match, in my eyes, did more than, you know... I'll be in that same situation, like Osprey and and Aussie Open did in all their appearances. Oh, that's very harsh. That's very harsh. That's not saying that they weren't good, but I wasn't wowed to the mm. extent that I was by Bandito. Really? And give Jericho some credit as well. Oh, give him loads. The, yeah. the, the last the last couple of months, um, I mean, I had pre- pretty much written written him off by let's say the end of twenty twenty one as a. Strong character guy, but like in ring, his his best days are far past. But he's totally ever since he kind of brought back the lion tamer gimmick the first time. Yeah, he's totally like got a second win behind him. And uh, yeah, this match was tremendous. Um, one of the better TV matches of the year, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I know Jericho deserves loads of credit. He's 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 putting a shift in, brother. There was some some crazy spots. There was the the uh, minute long suplex. There was the one handed yeah. one handed gorilla press slam. 
Oh, that was great. The um, the suplex. Well, it, yeah. it went off for like a minute. Yeah, and exactly. I can't remember who. There's another tweet I saw. Someone talked about the thing that non wrestling fans are most impressed by is like feats of strength. Yeah. So you lift someone up in the air, and everyone goes, "Yeah, he lifted him up in the air!" Like it's just perfect. So especially does that. Yeah, that was a great spot. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily typify Bandito as a like a power guy either, mm. which no. made it all the more impressive. Uh, and yeah, and then he put him in the in the lion tamer for the win, and then. <laughs> <laughs> in the second uh, such event in two weeks, uh, a portly official slash uh, non wrestler was hit was was knocked to the ground. Uh, it was Shivani last week, the the Sheffield Wednesday Arsenal uh, replay, <laughs> and then we had uh, Bobby Cruz getting hit with the Judas effect, which was very very funny. I thought he took a decent bump for it. I was actually listening. I was listening to a podcast. I was like, in all his years, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Bobby Cruz take a bump, and he's been announcing Ring of Honor. Like at least for a decade, if not more. I've actually yeah. never seen him get laid out in an angle. He did all right. Yeah. It was much better than the Carrie Silken appearance from... Fucking hell, yeah. I mean, it couldn't oh. be much worse, could it? Um, <laughs> uh, that was that was like... I wasn't on the show for that week. That was like some of the worst like five seconds. If, you could, if, if there was a category of worst five seconds of television, that would be it because Jericho... <laughs> whiffs a million miles hitting Claudio uh, while using Silken as a shield. Then, like, he and Silken, it seemed like, I don't think it was, but it seemed like it was improvised because they didn't know how physical Jericho was going to get, and Silken just kind of goes down. Then they cut to a reverse angle of the other side where you can see Silken just on his knees looking slightly annoyed, like not really selling, like he just got beaten up. (laughs) And then they go, oh, shit, he's just looking straight at the camera like a fucking idiot. Cut to the... Cut to another angle from behind Jericho, and then Silken walks in front of that camera, going back to his seat. So you just got a close up with the side of his head for like a second. I was like, "This is the worst shit I've ever seen in my life." Thankfully, it was only like five seconds of a great match. But, yeah, uh, they should have just cut to Mike Tyson yawning instead. That would have been less embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like. I think. The, I think the Jericho Ring of Honor direction is interesting, and I think it's. Um, uh, I think it's obviously designed to kind of give them a bit of uh, intrigue while shopping for a television deal, I, so I would imagine. Or maybe they've already got one and they want to hot act um, uh, as the... As, I would, as that, the that's what I would lean towards. For although, the other, the, although what's interesting, I mean, look, we seem to be in a part of his career where he doesn't seem to give a shit about winning matches. But I can't imagine Jericho's beaten him, uh, beaten him, Danielson. I don't, they're doing the Danielson match in Canada uh, in like two weeks or whatever it is. Um I'm kind of like, it's too early to end the Jericho I'm beating the Ring of Honor guys run. But I also feel like Jericho shouldn't beat Danielson. I mean, unless game, that's where know. that's where the Garcia turn, turn on Danielson uh, happens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, um, they're yeah. putting the Ring of Honor title on Brian, uh, Brian Danielson. Ugh. I don't, I don't think, think they will. I don't think they will. I think Jericho. I don't, I, I don't think they will either, but that's why I just think it's odd to beat him, you know. Yeah, they'll they'll do the Garcia. I, I'm a wrestler. No, he's not. He's, he's he loves sports entertainment. He loves what? Vince's the, the last couple of years of Vince's stuff. <laughs> um, all right, over to Rampage quickly. We had a, a, a three way tag match. So acclaimed mention of Dynamite they had an open challenge, which is apparently answered by two teams, uh, Butcher and the Blade and Private Party. And it, it, it was it was fine. It was a yeah. typical tag fair. Um. Not much to uh, mention in that one. 
Um, Lee Moriarty. <laughs> Lee Moriarty defeated Fuego del Sol. We are truly into <laughs> why am I watching this of a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon uh, territory. Um, and William uh, W. Morris, excuse me, hit uh, Del Sol with a big old, big old big show style choke slam straight out of 1999. And uh, my God, Morrissey's nips were. Fucking, <laughs> it must have been cold out there because they were erect. Um, we had uh, Andrade challenge Preston Vance to put his mask on the line. And he said, well, you're putting your damn career on the line. So we suddenly, I know they've been building slowly this little Preston Vance uh, Andrade thing, but they've gone right to mask versus career. Yeah. Um, do you think that's like, do you think TK thinks he's like striking while the iron's hot because people are whispering about Andrade? Do you think that's that's part of the fact? It was like, let's do a career match while people think he's leaving. Oh, maybe. Even though he's obviously not leaving. Yeah, possibly. Um, you um, know. Although the Wrestling Observer in their uh, Rampage review here uh, spell it as Adron Day, which is uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe his name if he does show up somewhere else. Um, Jamie Hayter, Willow Nightingale, as you mentioned already. Um Hater is not only great, but I think we mentioned before uh, one of the one of the best AW theme songs. I think we could say as well. They play they they play that in the streets of Southampton all the time. Uh, We had a promo for War Joe, and we had a video package for. I really like the Swerve Strickland video package. Actually, being at this like music festival, I thought that was quite made him seem like quite an important. Uh, person and also kind of like i i really like the character stuff they're doing with him i think they've done they've done a pitch perfect job of having him and keith lee be this team where they're dynamic slightly off but it's not hammy can they coexist stuff and with all the crossover celebrity stuff it's kind of like swerve is like i'm better than this and i'm not getting respected and i i think it's great and i thought his performances against the acclaimed were fantastic uh, he's really coming into his own. He's really coming into his own. Yeah. Um, we had a promo for Page versus Moxley, which I thought was quite poor. Uh, Moxley in particular seemed that they just caught him after. Him, actually, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he's like, yeah, I'll give you 20 seconds and I'm not trying. Because his <laughs> comments were so blasé here. Uh, the only good line was that Page was like, I know I'll have the AEW fans behind me. Oh, but it's in Cincinnati. Oh, shit. So that was cute. Uh, and then the main event was Roosh against John Silver. And again, it was it was okay. Nothing yeah. worth going way out of your way to see. It was okay. And Roosh is officially all elite. Yes, I, I was shocked to uh, see that he wasn't already. Yeah, I, I, I was not aware. Um, <laughs> I was not aware that he wasn't already, but, but it's nice that he is. He's been he's been really good. He has been really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, that and the mask versus career match, by the way, is on next week's rampage. Just to let you know that it's, you're definitely not getting a career ending match. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll move on to movies. Who's seen a movie this week that they want to talk about? I mean, I mentioned already Creepshow and, and so on, right, so let me tell you a little bit about him. So Creepshow was a late addition to the list when I saw that Red Letter Media put their review out. I said, okay, well, let me actually watch this one, and then I'll watch the review. So I've watched the review, so sorry if my review 
subliminally. Oh, you've sullied your, yourself. Yeah, you take with a grain of salt what I say, because I have now watched another review. Uh, and I don't feel entirely different than what they said anyway. So we'll get to it. So if we, for those who don't know, Creepshow, I'd actually never heard of Creepshow. Maybe I had. But it's, Creepshow is one of those vague names, like Fright Night, that you might come across and not really think about what it is. Just one of those mm. generic 80s horror names, right? So what Creepshow actually is, is a is an anthology film of five stories. Feels very Twilight Zone-y. Um, directed by George Romero of of the dead fame <laughs> yeah okay and uh written by and starring stephen king okay in the screenplay for this film um two of the short stories are or two of the um segments of the film are based on stephen king short stories uh great little cast let me um get uh the Wikipedia page up here. Really impressed by the cast who who they were able to pull together for this little uh, this little sum of bitch right here. Um, so starring uh, Stephen King, as I mentioned, uh, pre Naked Gun Leslie Nielsen. Okay, although I think he he had starred in in the Police Show series, but by, by then, um, Ted Danson again pre fame. Ted Danson, uh, uncredited Richard Gere appearance. Okay. Uh, Hal Holbrook, uh, Adrienne Barbeau, uh, Hal Holbrook, Oscar nominee there. Um, E.G. Marshall, one of the uh, eponymous 12 Angry Men from my uh-huh. favorite uh, film. Um, so, yeah, a lot of um, names in here that you – Ned Beatty as well. A lot of names in here that you might you might recognize. Um, now, what Creepshow is, is, is primarily, I would say, comedy more so than horror. It's a horror comedy, but I would say it leans more so to the comedy side. Okay. So, uh, ironically, um, Something to Tide You Over, which is the Leslie Nielsen segment, is like the least comedic of them all. It actually feels like maybe a short Hitchcock film. It's got that okay. kind of onto it, very tense. Um. So yeah, it, it, it kind of as an anthology movie, it's got a lot of variety to it. It touches on like monster movie, uh, psychological thriller, more overtly comedy. Um, so yeah, lots of different boxes ticked here. Great cast, as I said. Uh, Stephen King gives one of the oddest performances you'll ever see. Um, uh, also. Um, What's the 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 name? Uh, Joe Hill, who wrote um, the Black Phone, son of Stephen King. Oh yes, also yeah. stars in the film as well. Sorry, as a little was, baby, I'd imagine. As as a little boy, uh, nineteen eighty two. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I it is it is on the long side. It's two hours, which you know, for a film you would say is not very long, but for an anthology film, there. Are, I, I anticipated that it was going to be like more or less five twenty five minute segments. The second one had finished, and there's only 33 minutes gone. And I was like, "Oh, so one of these is running long. We're getting the we're getting the Soraya uh, promo up here." Hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I I thought they kind of got increasingly more interesting, increasingly better. Uh, my favorite one was something to tide you over, as I mentioned. There's one called the Crate as well, which I thought was was really good. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a lovely little surprise. It is uh, as anthologies can be. It can be a little hit and miss. I, I thought the first the first uh, segment was was a little a little weak, but uh, there's enough in there to uh, to enjoy. And of course, being an anthology, if if you're not really feeling 
the story or what's going on, you're only like 15 minutes away from the next totally different segment. So, you know, okay, you can hang around. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was really, really enjoyable, really entertaining. Um, I will say, though, hard to find. I, I did have to um, procure it down at the old wink, wink uh, boot sale. Um, yeah, that's uh, it, it shouldn't be that hard anymore, even no, with. Really, but I feel like there's just so much stuff like that. Because on a similar Halloween tip, I went looking for. I went. I went looking for a box set. I went, I went on Amazon. I went on various other sites. I wanted to get Tales from the Crypt, the HBO series, right, which yeah. did get a DVD EU release, but I guess it's just out of print and it's yeah. all extortionate. And all the ones I found online that were in our region were Spanish, and not that that makes a huge difference. You can put it in English, obviously, but it's just it just sucks. Stuff like that falls through the cracks, and it's not on any streaming service, and yeah. you don't want to have to go to the old car boot sale to get it. Do you know what I mean? No. But uh, yeah, I, I'll definitely give it a little um, recommendation. Apparently, Creepshow Two, which was not uh, directed by George Romero and was not screenplayed, written by Stephen King, <laughs> is apparently not as good. Um, but Creepshow definitely, uh, I would even say it is more. It feels like more something that would be a, a gateway into horror for maybe a, like a thirteen, fourteen year old. Right, because okay. it's it's tame enough. There's some there's some swearing and there's some grief gory images but it's it's pretty it's pretty okay for that kind of audience i would say and like i say the 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 comedy elements of it kind of undercut and not in a bad way but undercut the horror so it doesn't feel quite as intense and it's just a nice little simple little uh, watch hmm. very, very enjoyable um and then i watched for the first time again i said this film is is part of a genre torture porn that i have zero interest in ever watching and maybe that's unfair to to count the 2004 original in that genre because having watched it now i actually don't feel that it it is one of those the series for sure developed into that but the first film not necessarily i said i'll never watch saw i've no interest in watching saw why would i watch saw i don't like blood and guts i don't like gore i don't like uh, traps and that where a lad gets a needle in the eyeball no thanks <laughs> um but making my halloween list i was looking at some uh listicles best horror movies and i saw i saw that saw was coming up time and time again i said let's just fucking stick it on and see, see yeah um so yeah i was i was quite pleased with the structure of the film that the the traps are there but are, are certainly not front and foremost and are not the point of the film it, it's it's for all intents and purposes a seven like i will say yeah yeah uh, but in the sense that it has a more like a unique kind of bottleneck setting where it primarily takes place in one room with flashback scenes to the the police investigation of this jigsaw killer mm-hmm. definitely i would say is slightly more on the kind of psychological thriller side than horror side. I would say, again, I put it in a category with seven ring films like that, that are not, not overtly horror that have more of a, a, a this is like a, a crime thriller to an extent with, which obviously has horror elements to it. Um, uh, stars again, a surprisingly good cast. I didn't know yeah. the cast for saw was, was this good. Um, Carrie always D- Danny Glover, uh, two lost, alumni uh the great michael emerson and uh, the slightly less great ken leung uh tobin bell of course and lee wanell who you might know as the director 
you would go on to direct such films as uh, Upgrade and The Invisible Woman, which mm. I know we were mm. we were very positive on The Invisible mm. Woman on this son of a bitch right here. Uh, so he wrote Saw. He actually, mm. I think he wrote the first three and stars in the first one, and starred in the 2003 short Saw, which was mm. a prelude to this. A prelude to this, yeah. And yep. these are all of the well, not these all these first one is of course directed by James Wan. James Wan, yeah, and of he... Conjuring and Malignant <laughs> Fame. Aquaman. <laughs> Of conjuring fame and malignant infame, I would say. No, more fame. <laughs> I didn't mind. I didn't mind malignant. I'm not malignant's having a go. Great. I haven't. I haven't dared to rewatch it because it'll never. I it'll think never that's a watch it once film, and if you know what's coming, don't bother. You know. I think to an extent, Saw also has that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I I went into Saw knowing way too much about. Of course, it right, and so I wasn't buying into the misdirections that the film gives you. I thought, nevertheless, it was it was a fun little mystery. Did you know the thing that happens at the end with the body in the middle of the room? Yeah. You knew that, okay. I, I, I not only knew that, but I know who is the villain of the series. Right. So I, I, you, know, you know, I knew that spoilers for Saw for the next 10 seconds if anybody hasn't seen it. I knew if anyone that, cares from 20, yeah. almost 20 fucking years ago. When they were like, uh, this Michael Emerson, Zepp, he's going to be the villain. I'm like, I know he's not the villain. So there's, there's kind of a bait and switch there that I you know, didn't fall for. But I thought nevertheless, the structure of it was, was, was really well done. The non-linearity of it, I thought, kind of worked in the sense that I didn't feel like they spent a lot of time doing exposition. They just would show in flashback. And so that kind of kept the pace of the movie up quite well. Um, I will say though, there there are certain elements of it that don't hold up. Obviously, the way it's shot and edited is so ninety nine slash two thousand. I know it's a two thousand four movie, but, it, but like, it's very two thousand. Yeah. Parts of it look like a like a Slipknot music video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's certain certainly elements of the. Um, the shooting style and the way it's edited that don't hold up and have aged incredibly badly as well. Very right? bad, yeah. uh, And I think also having just seen Seven for the first time, you know, when did I watch Seven? Like three months ago for the first time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that Saw has elements that are so similar to Seven and the fact that it came out a decade later, I think comparisons are inevitable and it maybe they're unfair because like you're talking about a, I, don't, I haven't looked at the budgets, but you're talking about like a David Fincher fucking prestige film and saw which was i'm very sure of, saw was a, a very yeah, budget, I, I'm sure like it was. Fucking small budget film but when you directly compare them it just doesn't have the polish or the well-madedness of oh, a yeah, seven yeah. you know um nevertheless i thought it was i thought it was a fun watch i didn't think it was quite as intense as i anticipated it was it was gonna be but then again maybe knowing so much about it played into that but i gave it a good seven as well good seven out of ten um quite enjoyed it the, i think the performances as well are a little bit yeah, good, yeah. i'd say mostly good there are one or two that i think are a little bit a little bit bad but um generally i thought i generally that was quite good so yeah, I, just, I i would say i would say uh, I, i'd say maybe give two a watch um i think two is okay a lot of people don't like two I, I think it retains a little bit of that crime thriller aspect to it. Mm. Um, uh, it's not amazing, but I think you might get something out of it. Um, and I think it's it's it, it leans a little bit more into the the meme of the of what Saw is um, into. But I still don't. I don't think it's especially 
I mean, it's you know, it's it's it's, it's about as violent as the first one is, I would say. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. they do they do get a lot more gratuitous as, as it goes on. <laughs> of I course, think, yeah. I haven't like, seen all yeah. of them, including Jigsaw. <laughs> I can't remember which the last one was. Actually, I Did you watch the, the Chris Rock one? No, Spiral. Spiral. Book is the, last of, one. the book of the book of fucking jerk off, whatever it was called. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch that. <laughs> no, that I was Chris watch... Jericho's autobiography. That, hey, that was too far for me. But I have watched all the like mainline ones. Main and, ones. And Saw X get... is coming out next year as well. Oh, come wait! On. What are they going back to the main line? Yeah, Saw 10. Oh, that's great. I love, I love when they do a thing called the final chapter and then they say, well, listen, we, we oh. tried the spin off, it died, so we have to go back. That's oh, great. I hope it's in space. I hope it's in space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, don't uh, watch yeah, any of the other ones. They're all terrible. Yeah, I, I, I know, Joe, that you and me are both lovers of films where people have to find clues. So I like, I really like that element of the stuck in the room thing. Mm, mm. Find, find the X in the room. I'll turn the light off. Oh, the X is there with glow in the dark paint. There's a box in it. What's in the box? It yeah. just goes on and on from there. I thought that was that was fun. The escape room, so kind of element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe. What have you watched this week? Uh, I watched Prey, the um, Predator mm. prequel set in the. Uh, 1700s about a Native American uh, kind of young woman who wants to be a hunter, um, but it's bloody sexist. You know what it was like back in the oh. days? They were, they're like, you're a woman, you can't hunt for a lion. And she's like, yes, I can, I'm a woman. She's like, we're doing a women's tough. revolution of hunting. <laughs> she's like, this is this is my plane. This, you know, I'm, the, I'm leading the women's revolution. Um, so obviously she's underestimated. She's actually a fantastic hunter. She's very tough and resilient and innovative. And there's some kind of mysterious uh, being that is uh, killing things and people and hunting them. And then, mm. of course, it's... It's the big predator with the disgusting face who can <laughs> turn invisible and bleeds fluorescent blood and you know, ain't got time to bleed and all that. So uh, I uh, really, really enjoyed it. It's um, a very visual film, very little dialogue in it. It's very, very visual. And I'm, I just want to watch visual films now. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm just in that kind of kick. I don't want any dialogue anymore. Ever since I saw E.T., I'm like, yeah, visual filmmaking, man. Just tell the story <laughs> with pictures, you know. Uh, only problem is, I was watching at home, so obviously I was just like on my phone every five minutes. No, I didn't not follow what was going on. I know it's 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 a problem. It's a problem. I need to watch movies properly. Mm. But in spite of that, I, I did really enjoy it. I liked the um, the story. It maybe gets a little bit kind of you know on the nose with the women in you know female empowerment type stuff but i liked i liked the character and i liked her story and i liked it was very simple as well it wasn't uh kind of like the first one you know it was one sort of fairly contained location you know where where they are in in, in north america uh, and quite simple in terms of how it's you know executed and the the uh the fight scenes or the chase scenes are they're told very kind of simply and, and and are about the landscape as much as the actual you know characters as well so yeah, I, I really, really liked it, um, and would I, I now want to see a series of these where the predator visits, like you know, twelfth century uh, Mongolia or something, right. and just takes on a horde. This is Jesus in Bethlehem. <laughs> He's like, come on, Jesus, you you think you can work miracles? Come on, let's love you. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, th- big thumbs up for that. 
Um, hopefully they don't do another one and ruin it. But yeah. Transport her into the future so she can I, I've, uh, fight with I, Arnold. I've never seen it, but apparently the without saying too much for anyone who has it, because it is really good to watch it, Hulu in the States, Disney everywhere else, there's a gun that's a prominent feature of the final mm. act of the film. That is apparently a thing from Predator 2, which I have not seen. But apparently that's so it ties it together. So I don't know if that necessarily applies and then they'll make another one, but it's connected as all these movies have to be. Ah, um, uh, okay. They do yeah, there's that bit shot where they sort of linger on a name that's really A name young. and I I was looking at it going because oh, I I've seen I've only ever seen Predator One and the, the Shane Black terrible one. Um and Brother tried to be going, What's what's that? I was like, I don't know. Am I supposed to know what that is? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah. Um we might squeeze in a few more predators over the over the course of the Halloween season, actually. But um, I mean, yeah. there's only two, and the Agent Brody one, right? No, there's there's one, there's two, there's the film called Predators, which is with Agent Brody. Brody. There's the Shane Black one. That's five. And Prey, and Prey is five. Sorry, Prey is five. And, and, and the AVP film. And two AVPs. Yeah. yeah. We actually, me and brother, we did start watching all of Alien, the Alien movies, right. which was. That was really cool for about two films. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, our next one, our next one has, is Resurrection, and we're very slowly. Three was Dread. Well, three was Fincher three. as well, wasn't it? So we're yeah, I, and I think I think the version on Disney, I think, is like the director's cut, which is supposed mm. to be the good one, but it's okay. still fucking terrible. Anyway, um, speaking of of um, the Halloween season and things, we decided to to kind of work, series. We decided to work our way through. We decided to soldier on with our Halloween uh, series watch through, which for the long time listeners of the show that we started this, I think two Halloweens ago at this stage, um, long time listeners will know the show that over the course of this series, we've realized that this franchise is largely shite. Um, I'm firmly in the camp that I, I, I think it's okay. And it's obviously very, I don't especially like the first Halloween. I agree. I, I totally agree. I think it's super slow and boring. I love John Carpenter, but I think it's one of his weaker ones. It's I not think, aged well. It was, I think for the time it was. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's it was. a definite time and place. Not, yeah. not aged well. Um, and then it's kind of like, I still think it's the best one. Um, I think two sure. is like, is decent for, for a direct sequel that takes place the same night. I think it's, it's okay. And then I think the 2018 reboot one is firmly in the slot of extremely dumb, but still fun enough movies. Everything else out of the 17 other fucking films in that franchise are absolutely dreadful, including Halloween Resurrection, which is the one we watched. So for those of you keeping up with the timeline, uh, they with the seventh film, Resurrection is eighth, with the seventh film, they said, okay, none of that counts except the first one. And then they basically just – and they've done that now two more times. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so Halloween Resurrection is basically – uh, the one where they kind of pick up where where H2O ends, but they very quickly write it off. They, they basically write off Jamie Lee Curtis in the prologue of, of Resurrection, and then they introduce a whole new cast of characters. It's very weird. Like, uh, like they they went to the bother in, in uh, 1999 of bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back in. She survives to the end of the movie. She, quote-unquote, kills Michael Myers. Spoilers for a 25-year-old also shite film um she, she quote unquote kills michael myers at the end of the 1998 film and then in resurrection 
they do one of the all-time hilarious retcons in, in in cinema history, where basically the prologue of Resurrection is Jimmy Lee Curtis is in a very stereotypical uh, uh, mental asylum. Uh, two nurses are having a conversation where they recap what happened. And in a scene you do not see in Halloween H2O, Michael Myers is uh, alive. He breaks a paramedic's larynx, but keeps him alive and puts his Michael Myers mask on the paramedic and, and changes outfits with the paramedic. So then in the final act of the previous film, Jamie Lee Curtis is actually killing a random person who happens to be in the Michael Myers suit and cannot speak because Michael Myers broke his larynx while still keeping him alive. And that's why he can't say, hey, Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm not Michael Myers, don't kill me. It's so fucking stupid. And then the the prologue, this is all before the opening credits of Resurrection. Michael Myers gets into the, the insane asylum. They have a brief chase sequence and then he just kills her. And then the main movie starts with a brand new cast of, of horrendous characters and terrible actors. Um, uh, the, one, the one redeeming factor about Resurrection is that it's a movie from 2002 that has a bunch of very stupid, very charmingly stupid um, early 2000s tech in it. It's got chat rooms. Uh, the premise of the show is that Tyra Banks and Buster Rhymes, that's right, they're our lead actors. Buster Rhymes! Are producers on a web series where it's basically kind of like Big Brother, but inside Michael Myers' abandoned house. And all the all the contestants have very wacky turn of the century headsets with webcams on them. And it's and there's also texting. There is someone uh, doing what, what seems like an IRC or MSN chat on their flip phone, which is actually kind of that's future tech by 2002 standards. You did not you could not do that on a flip phone, I don't think. So that's charming. Other than that, it's absolute dreck. It's really, really bad. It's super boring as well. It's one of those ones where it's kind of on top of all the bad acting. And, and bizarre casting is like there's no there's no fun kills it's just it's just after they kill off Jamie Lee Curtis they then just do here's just a generic slasher it's terrible so we soldier on and now next on our agenda um, is the I believe the second reboot uh, which would be the Rob Zombie movies which I have never seen um, and I've heard quite mixed things about they're reviewed quite poorly but I think a lot of fans I think it has its fans which is kind of typical of, of Rob Zombie's movies to be honest um, yeah, so we watched that. Uh, sticking on the Halloween tip, we went, uh, or rather, I went to see Smile in the cinema, which is, um, I think it's done quite well for itself, quite the popular uh, new horror IP this October. This is a, um, actually, I don't know anything about this movie. Let me look this up. Actually, I don't even know the fucking lead actress's name or who directed it. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, Susie Bacon, Caitlin Stacey. I don't know who any of these people are. These, this is a fairly young cast. Um, uh, who, who directed this? Um, written and directed by Parker Finn. Feature film debut. Okay, so this is this is this is a lot of newbies. This is a lot of newbies. Basically, this is a very urban legendy kind of premise where uh, a psychiatrist sees a patient who's like, "There's a ghost following me," and it occupies other people's bodies, and it smiles at me, and it makes me want to do bad things, and then. Eventually, the psychiatrist is possessed by the same uh, demon. Very, this is a very, this is a very story that could have been told over a campfire premise. It's very basic, uh, uh, but I think the execution of it is is really good. There's some really good scares in there. There's some really nice kind of like uh, uh, jump scare fake outs that are drawn out really long, where you think you're going to get one and you don't. It's really good. Um, uh, I think the most notable person in the cast is uh, the guy who plays A Train in The Boys. 
is oh um, Matt Bloom. No, not Matt Bloom. No, the 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 from the popular Amazon series is the husband in this movie. Um, it's really good. It's really creepy. It's it's very much one of those. I think it's a very fun horror movie. It's not it's not quite a horror comedy, but it has a little bit of a sense of humor about itself, and it's got some legitimately you know gross visuals and some surprising scenes. It's shot quite nice. I was very pleasantly surprised with this because movies like this come out. Uh, there are a dime a dozen. Do you know what I mean? The the, the mm. premise, like I said, is very kind of you know, any studio farts out this premise. It's a fucking forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You forget it. It's like you know garbage. Um, but it way over delivered. So I was actually really pleasantly surprised. I I would uh, I would recommend it. A solid thumbs up on Smile, uh, which again seems to be doing quite well in the box office for an a, an original horror. Uh, while we were seeing this, my buddy Dave turned to me during the trailer for Halloween Kills. He says, oh, uh, oh no, Halloween Ends, I should say, actually, back on the Halloween subject to the next one. He's like, oh, I never, I didn't see the second one. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it was one of the worst films I've ever had the displeasure of seeing in a cinema. And I said, I'll give you some good news. You don't have to see it because it's complete time killing. Jamie Lee Curtis is like busy for the whole film. Michael Myers goes off and does a bunch of other stuff. And then at the end of the film, Jamie Lee Curtis comes back. And that's where they cut it. And that's where they set up for the third film. So the way I explained it to him was it's a bit like that most recent Mortal Kombat movie that didn't have a Mortal Kombat tournament, but they set it up <laughs> at the very end for the sequel. I was like, that's what they did in Halloween Kills. And so I look forward to that film. That's definitely real, the last chapter of the of that franchise. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing we watched was an Amazon Prime original movie, The Rental, uh, which starred Alison Brie. And uh, that guy whose name I don't know, who's the main guy in The Bear, that television show that everyone likes. Oh, it's like uh, Johnny Aaron Jacob or something like that. Yeah, very distinctive face. I was straight Johnny away. Aaron Jacob. Yeah, and it's directed. I, was, I didn't know this until literally the credits started rolling. Debut directorial effort by Dave Franco, which was I was like, I, of all the names, I was not expecting to see that. It's quite good. It's 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 a very tight ninety minute. Uh, very tense and very minimalist horror movie. Um, I, I don't want to say it, it, it foregoes all violence, but it's very subdued with it. It draws tension out really slowly and it kind of makes it count when it does it. The premise is basically two couples go on a sort of faux Airbnb uh, 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 holiday to a, some beautiful uh, beach house on a cliffside and you know, horror movie happens then without getting too much into it because it's a movie that you don't quite know what direction it's going to go in. It throws you some really great red herrings. Um, I, I, I don't really want to, to get too into it, but really enjoyable. It's, it's, it's one of the great like dog shit holidays in film ever, because even before the horror movie starts happening, these people are having the worst shittiest <laughs> holiday of all time. It's so funny how terrible it is. And then a horror movie happens. Um, really good. Uh, uh, again, 90 minutes in and out. It's kind of a, you know, it's a premise that I think lends itself to kind of just don't outstay your welcome. It's not reinventing the wheel. I thought it was a, a really, really impressive uh, 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 directing debut for Dave Franco. Um, they do set up a sequel in a way, which is disappointing, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem I have with it, and I... I I noticed this in Emergency, which I watched a few weeks ago, which I also really liked, which is also an Amazon Prime original. I, I feel like Amazon, I, 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 like all their original movies just have that really washed out gray color palette about them 
even in movies that do have a decent sense of style, I'm just kind of like, can we turn the brightness up here a little bit or, or uh, turn the contrast down? It's just like everything's just gray, dark, even in nice scenes where it's like supposed to be the day and you're walking on a beach. Um, I don't know if that's just a, a, a coincidence, but uh, it's one thing I've noticed. Yeah, that's the rental. Uh, that was solid. And uh, one classic we did revisit was we did watch Heat, which Heat I have not seen bear. in a very long time and Bron I have not seen before. Love Heat. Um, I still I, I do think it's a bit too long. I I, I think I, I don't think the characters are, are there for me um, uh, to justify that length, but I think it is still really great. Uh, and I think it looks and sounds fantastic. Um, but I'll, I'll always be a collateral man. I think I think American that's the best. Heat too. Yes, I was like because uh, that's part of what I was was thinking about it, and I was like, this probably isn't relevant because like it's probably have nothing to do with it. And then I found out Heat Two is actually about the same characters. It's before and after. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's good that I did rewatch it. Uh, but yeah, really great. I mean, I mean that uh, that's actually one I I kind of wish I saved for the new TV. Now that I think about it, because uh, that would be a great film to watch on on the biggest screen possible. But yeah, Heat's still great. Um. And I think that was it. That's all I watched this week on, on the old film, or in the last couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, what about TV, boys? What are we watching on the old television? Ooh, I've got a few different shows. So finally, um, Sean and I finished off The Golden Girls. Got through all seven seasons, every wow. single episode. I've uh, been watching it at lunchtime, so the last, like, five months or something. So um, speaking of, I think Paul mentioned earlier, uh, Leslie Nielsen uh, appearances, but where he's not actually funny. Uh, this was another example of those because uh, Leslie Nielsen plays the love interest of uh, Dorothy, played by B. Arthur. Mm. Um, he's just not funny at all. <laughs> he, he started out obviously as a serious actor and then started doing the kind of deadpans, you know, spoof slapstick stuff. Yeah, but he doesn't do the, he doesn't do that at all here. There's no like deadpan jokes. There's no slapstick. It's just him acting. It's like, well, right. why'd you get Leslie Nielsen and then just have him act? But anyway, it was a nice finale and kind of exactly what you expect where uh, Dorothy goes off and gets married and leaves the girls to it. And it's very sad. And then, and then they do an ill-fated spinoff where they open a motel called the Golden Palace, which is also not available anywhere. It's not on Disney Plus. It's not mm. on any. I've never even heard so. of that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it starred Don Cheadle as well. It's mm. like one of his mm. early roles. So, but yeah, I can't find that anywhere, unfortunately. But if anyone knows where I can get Golden Palace, please let me know. Did you try uh, the uh, the old uh, boot sale? Did you? Um, not yet. <laughs> okay, you might you that. might need to go down there and have a look. Might be the real, uh, real obscure boot sale. Mm-hmm. Um, watched that. Watched a series on BBC called "Am I Being Unreasonable?" Um, this was created as stars. The woman, what was in that show, which I think is called This Country, where it's about a couple yes. of like Wurzels who were really yeah. T- yeah, we're from Swindon <laughs> or whatever. And then the one bloke really looks like got um, uh, Mackenzie Crook, you know, who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, she's in it and she's very funny. I've never actually seen that show, I've only seen clips of it, but I do think she's very funny uh, and it's re- very kind of similar type of humor to, to that show. Um, but it's also a bit of a mystery kind of thriller. So it's a comic, very much a comedy, but also it's got this kind of mystery running all the way through it of this um, woman who was involved in some kind of death and we don't know exactly what happened and she's kind of haunted by it and she meets this woman that comes along. We don't know if what the woman knows about it. And I have to say it was 
it was very funny and it was also just very very well crafted in terms of how it reveals the kind of information and, and then builds to a very satisfying conclusion so um i give that a big thumbs up it's only six episodes um half hour i watched it in three hours just all the way through um it was it was really really good um i think they kind of left it ambiguous enough to come back for another series it wasn't like all wrapped up very neatly but they had, unlike some very annoying shows that that don't give you a decent conclusion and kind of make out that they're just being oh we're being enigmatic or ambiguous you know we don't want to f- spoon feed the audience no give me a fucking conclusion if you can't yeah. give me one then you don't know like what happened at the end that's yeah. what i'm gonna assume and um, so they give you that but they also do leave some room for like interpretation as to, to what actually happened so I, I thought it was really 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 kind of well put together so that was good uh and then because it just automatically played straight after that series i also watched the first episode of this sitcom called ghosts uh, which i'd heard a lot about but hadn't watched but it's um Essentially, the premise is a, a couple move into a kind of state, inherit a sort of old stately home somewhere in the British countryside, and they move in. And the woman, after a near-death experience, can communicate with all the various ghosts that inhabit the stately home. Uh, and what I think what it, what it does that's quite funny is that it has ghosts from different eras. So it's not just old kind of period costume ghosts. There's like a politician from the 1980s and there's a scout leader from the 90s and there's a caveman ghost. and all this. It was very funny. I only watched one episode, but it was it was very entertaining. So I think I probably will watch the rest of that. Um, yeah, so a couple of gems that I discovered on iPlayer. This is the whole thing when Michelle goes away, I will just watch stuff. Yeah, that the might be shit, but I'll just leave it on anyway. Whereas when you know, like you're saying, when you've got two people, you have to actually go. Well, what do we want to watch? We don't want to waste mm. time. So yeah, end up discovering some stuff. But uh, good thumbs up for both of those, and of course the Golden Girls. Lovely. All right, I'll go then. And um, so get some shit out of the way that no one cares about. <laughs> uh, I watched a new uh, The Grand Tour, which is the Top Gear continuation, obviously, with uh, what, they're the bunch of racists. What are they called? Uh, Clarkson and the like. Oh, yeah. uh, hi- <laughs> highlight- I think it's just Clarkson. Don't lump uh, the other two in. Alleged. Uh, highlight of the... Uh, this was feature length, by the way. The one hour 39 show was uh, James May crashing into a wall, which happened, which was quite f- funny. He was all right, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> what are you wish to do with this guy? You like his show? What are you talking I, about? I like the show. I like the show. I, I, I don't know why. I, I I was a Top Gear fan from back in the day, so I still find it. Yeah, just own it. it. Just own it. But uh, yeah, but I don't dislike when they, you know, they come across a racist. Uh, yeah, when when bad things happen to them, uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, I also watched the new Lord of the Rings episode. There's two two more, and then we're done for season one. That show is very up and down. Uh, almost exactly, because the first week, the first two episodes, I thought, eh, quite good, some promise here. Episode three, didn't like it all. Episode four, a lot of people didn't like, but I kind of liked the slow pace. So, okay, let's get them some character stuff. Episode three was very fucking MCU feeling. I was like, ah, not for me. Episode four, good. Episode five, didn't really, didn't quite, <laughs> didn't really like again. And then this last one was episode six, and I, I was kind of on the fence. And then the last half hour, I thought was really good. So... Up and down with that, but uh, as we move towards the finale, it looks like there's some there's some st- stuff finally happening that's going to f- tie in in a bigger way to the the Lord of the Rings we we all know and love. Um, 
Uh, and then speaking of stuff that continues to be good as always, Beavis and Butthead. Love Beavis and Butthead. Uh, watched Great British <laughs> Bake Off. Oh, that was cool. Uh, Great British Bake Off. Very nice. Only an hour 15 this week instead of an hour 30. Um, a little bit tighter. <laughs> um, my favorite thing. I did, actually, on, I did watch it this week, by the way. Yeah. My favorite thing on British Bake Off continues to be Carol's accent. Ooh, our West Country in that like. <laughs> um, oh, me breads turned to shite. Um, yeah, Great British Bake Off is great. It's, it's it's one of the easiest watches, I think, out there. I think an hour and a half, as I mentioned before, is a little bit long. It's a bit long. Were you also repulsed by the final round, the showstopper? It was like... like what was it? It was, it was a cake, but it was like savory food cake. Oh God! Oh yeah, yeah, Swedish. It was a Swedish thing. Small like curry cakes and yeah, 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 it was like a cake but with curry inside it and things like that. Yes, it was absolutely vile. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry to any Swedish people listening. Um, yeah, that was that was fun as always. And then last little um mention I want to give is I've been watching Rick and Morty this year. And I thought yeah. those first two episodes, ooh, baby, what a big, stinky pile of shit. <laughs> and then I must say, I must say, episode three and four, I thought were well back to form, especially uh, episode four. I really enjoyed. Uh, so, yeah, some shows, it seems like they they get knocked down. They're, li- they're like um, Tyson Fury against uh, not not the last one he fought with the previous one, where he gets knocked down. He looks like he's he's down for the count. Oh, Rick and Morty's done. The, the Undertaker sit up. It's back. So, yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen three and four. I watched the first two. I, I I liked them more than Paul. I thought they were good, but I, I, I do feel, and I feel like this is kind of, was kind of foreshadowed by the, the, the sort of Captain Planet parody episode there from like two seasons ago, whatever it was with Alison Brie, where mm. she's like Morty's girlfriend. And then, they have the very kind of just like no, like earnest ending where he's just really sad that she dumped him and stuff. I think they've tr- they've they're starting to go more character focused and like a bit lorey mm. in a way that I just don't think is as compelling as they seem to think it is. I've I've I all of the 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 Beth clone stuff I do not give a shite about. And I remember when when we watched the first episode of the season, which I did enjoy overall. Me and Brown were just watching it together. Like, what? What's happening? I don't even remember where yeah, this left off. I, do, I don't care. Like, it's just the the comparison I made was to me. It's kind of like that show is kind of like John Wick three, mm. where it's like, and season one is John Wick one, where it's like it's like a fun thing. That you go, oh, there's all this like, oh, what's what's really going on? Where did where, where, where did Rick come from? What happened to his wife? Oh, we don't we don't really know. But it's interesting though. It is interesting to think about it because they say this little thing. You go, oh, what? But that's oh, how many dimensions? Oh, you don't even know. And then this current, the last season, and then this one is John Wick three, where it's like, okay, you're telling me more about it. I'm not actually as into it now that you're just telling me about it. I kind of wish you were being vague again, because you know John Wick's a good trilogy, but in three, it's like, okay, he's walking across the fucking desert. He's talking to this fucking guy. I don't know. Like, eh. it was more interesting when it's just, ooh, it's just a kooky hotel. What's really going on? We don't really know, but it's weird. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know Kevin what I mean? And there. Kevin Nash is there, and you know Willem Dafoe. Um, and it's just kind of like I, it's not that it's like oh it's not it's not Star Wars Episode One was like oh you're killing it by talking about medical it's not that bad but it's just like this is not as interesting as the tease I wish you were being a little bit more vague I don't need to know all the stuff about like where Rick came from and just, just the double bets I just don't need all of that just go on the adventures 
I, I know they've done memes about fans saying this, but fine, I'll be there. Just go on adventures. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Just and I think fun. I think episode four especially is just that. Three yeah. is kind of moving in that direction already. Um, I just think generally with Rick and Morty, when you get a show like this, I think Community had the same problem, ironically, and was also Dan Harmon. And not mm. when they kicked, they kicked him out for a season and then had to beg him to come back. Um, but I think when you have a, a super high concept, really creative show like that, you just get fatigue, fatigued after. Totally. You know, like, okay, this show is too much of that. Sometimes it's easier to just keep it simple. And to your point, just go on an adventure. There doesn't need to be so much, so many plates spinning all the time. And haven't they commissioned it for like five more seasons or something already? Like they signed some mega deal, I feel like, Probably. a couple of years ago, shortly after the, the fucking Szechuan sauce meme nightmare. <laughs> Uh, they, Pickle Rick, <laughs> which is funny because I feel like it's kind of died back. To, I feel like nobody talks about it anymore. I'm sure it's Thank still God. very popular. Well, yeah, that was miserable. That was when everyone was watching it. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's probably a very quiet little money earner. But anyway, that's Rick and Morty. I, I, I have to get caught up on that. Uh, what I'm making great pace with though is Frasier. Uh, I'm currently halfway through, or probably nearly finished season five. Frasier's great. I mean, I. I, I I can't believe I'm like n- nearly into the sixth season and there has been nary a whiff to be seen. I mean, it's so great. It's so, so funny. It's, it's just, it's, it's just classic sitcom capers with great characters, great performances. Um, it's really, it can be really sweet and earnest and sincere when it wants to be without a punchline. Like it doesn't have to always go there, which I really like, I think is a really, I think it's a key thing that's missing from a lot of its like '90s peers, Friends in particular. Friends always struggled with having a, a, a an earnest ending or an earnest moment mm. that didn't have to have a shit joke crammed into it. Um, uh, it's it's really fantastic, and I I think for, for, other than you know, eh, there's a couple of wonky things here towards the end, which I'm, I'm interested to revisit and see how they 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 hold up on a review. I mean, Frasier has a reputation being a very consistent show, and I'm. I I'm believing it. I mean, it's great. I mean, the two central performances, David Hyde Pierce and, and, and Kelsey Grammer. Oh my God. So outrageously funny. Just so, so funny. Two great performances and a great supporting cast. Um, yeah. So that's a, uh, listen, we were, we were judging it early on, but the Paramount subscription has been maintained as we, <laughs> as we, uh, as we roll into month three or whatever it is of that service existing over here. Uh, I let my Netflix lapse. Um, I I I, um, I set up a new bank account because uh, I used to be with Ulster Bank. They're now closing in Ireland, so I set up a new bank account and I went to update my card on Netflix and it gave me an error message. Came back the next day, tried again, another error message. I was like, you know what? I do not Goodbye. care. I don't. I don't use this service. It fucking stinks. Uh, I've I've read enough about serial killers in my life, lads. I don't need six series a month about it. Um, uh, I'm good. I'm good. So so I, I off I went on my merry way uh, without Netflix. So um yeah, uh, that is the television. What about the music for the week? Okay, well let's start with the new Arctic Monkey single, the second one of their forthcoming album, The Car, mm. called Body Paint. So I met, I talked about um the previous single the other week and how Alex Turner looks like Richard Madeley now. <laughs> um but they have uh, another single out. And you'll be shocked to hear it's more. There's a piano playing, and I'm Burt Bacharach now instead of an indie rock group. But this time, I actually don't hate it. Hmm. 
I actually think it's all right, surprisingly. So maybe, maybe my tastes are just maturing that I can enjoy this Arctic monkey now. Uh, maybe the swagger that I've complained about is not gone. It's just evolved like a Pokemon into a new form. Um, there's, there's, you know, the start of it is, it sounds very similar to everything they've done since, I guess, Suck It and See. Uh, maybe Suck It and See still had elements of old Arctic Monkeys. So I guess you could say the Hotel Tranquility, whatever the fuck that album was called, stupid ass name. Um, there's, there's still that, you know, the, that that's their sound now. We just got it fucking accept it um but you know as i was listening to it, i was kind of it was slowly digging its claws into me there's elements of like pink floyd towards the end as well uh when it gets into like its guitar solo stuff don't hate it i don't hate it um body paint so if, you know we'll see we'll see when the album comes out i think it's out next month we'll see or maybe towards the end of this month we'll see how that goes but um you know we can't say i can't say it's bad it's definitely a case of i just have a preference for a different type of Arctic monkeys yeah. than they are now. But, you know, maybe I listen to it enough, I, I'll actually come around on it. And this this was the first of that sound. Like, I listened to that Arctic Monkeys album, and I listened to the second, last uh, Shadow Puppets album, which also sounded a lot like that. And this is the first song that I've listened to where I've actually kind of come around on it. So who's to say? Uh, I did listen, as I had started last week, I listened to the new Ozzy Osbourne album. Jesus, uh, Patient still churning them out. Still churning them out. A lot of features on this one. Uh, Eric Clapton, I think, features on it. Uh, Jeff Beck. So, some weird weird features. Um, but like I mentioned, I've listened to the whole thing now. It does sound like uh, an AI. It doesn't sound like a real person singing. <laughs> um, it's it's Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Um, it's, uh, yeah, there's a weird fakeness to it. There's a weird artifice, an artifice that I'm listening to. Uh, it's fine. Like, musically, it's it, there's some there's some catchy uh, Aussie sounds on there some some classic black sabbath uh type of sounds tony iomi features on it as well he was the uh, the guitarist from black sabbath back in the day um but yeah i mean you're trying to convince me that this lad who 20 years ago sounded like now sounds like you know 80s aussie again it's like look he, he doesn't sound like that this is a lie <laughs> and i don't and you're not working me brothers uh, but it's fine. I, I'm surprised to see it get such good reviews. Like I think even NME gave it like a nine out of ten or something. I don't think it's anywhere anywhere close to that. But it was fine. It was a decent a decent little listen, I would say. Um, but like, there's yeah. nothing nothing approaching the best of like Aussie or Black Sabbath on there. During the week, I was listening to a um, Post Malone playlist on on Spotify. Yeah, and there's a track that comes up, and I thought that sounds a lot like Aussie Osbourne. And I checked, and it was in fact Ozzy Osbourne with Post Malone. I don't know if you've yeah. heard of that track, but yeah, kind oh, of. Was it? This is the question, though. Was it Ozzy Osbourne? Well, exactly. Yeah, it sounded very clear and very like Ozzy. Osbourne. <laughs> very yeah. What are you playing? What are you playing? I don't understand what you're doing. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne had a voice that you know on his reality show he needed to be subtitled a lot of the time. Yeah, and uh, now, he's, now you're telling me he's got this clear singing voice that's. You know, I don't. Now, is that a show that's streaming anywhere? That that would be on Paramount, wouldn't it? That was MTV. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Sharon is uh, fucking Jacks pissed himself oh. again. What? A, what? what is that fucking guy up to these days? Let me. I'm gonna just check and see if this is on. I want to see if this is on fucking Paramount. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think it is. I feel like they're doing a, a new series for the BBC of some description. The BBC. Oh, I dear. Swear, I swear, let me Google this. Osborne's BBC. 
No. Yeah, home to happening. roost. So the Osborne family moving back to the UK um, and seeing how they, they settle in. That's bizarre. Look forward to that. Anyway, don't, if you're if you're interested in that, maybe give the album a spin. But it's it's no great checks. And then finally, uh, and this was a weird coincidence, right? Because I in the week came into my mind to to put together like a a, a list, a listicle of my own okay. of the best the best pop songs of all time. Okay. And I made a list. Now I'm wondering if this is maybe better formatted as we haven't done it in a while as a bracket competition. <sighs> okay. But understanding at the same time that pop music and people's opinions on what are the best songs are very subjective. So this is definitely my take on it. it might be if I'm gonna put a be- put together a bracket, that might be better to get maybe a list of 30 songs from each of you and put that into a bracket. Mm-hmm. Um I will say though, my criteria, this this is kind of where discussion went then, is like what what is a pop song? Because I was thinking, okay, pop is obviously its own genre first and foremost right but obviously nowadays it's it's hip-hop is integrated into there yeah pop punk rock and i'm thinking okay well anything that even from other you might say a song is well that's a rap song or that's a rock song it's like yeah but if it breaks through to the top of the charts i'm going to consider it pop you know yeah so i put together my own list i i i won't give out the list because obviously if we want to um discuss yeah, you want to do it down the road? We, yeah. we can do that. But you know, th- there was uh, the reason I bring this up and why it was so unusual was because I definitely had on the list "Gangsta's Paradise," and then uh. the next day, and I had a high on the list. And the next day, uh, Coolio, of course, passed away, and I was in the post office. And see you when you get there. It was playing on the radio, oh. very earnestly. Spooky, spooky, spooky. spooky. Um, well, no, he had already died at that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it was an interesting exercise to sit down and think, okay, I, I want to cover all the eras. I don't want it to be exclusively 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Uh, and also, I, I my, my rule was one song per artist as well. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So maybe I'll keep them, I'll keep them to myself. This isn't that good for the listeners, but obviously I <laughs> keep them to myself for now and maybe we can we can do something with that down mm. the road. Yeah, it is, it is such a weird, broad concept. It's very hard to hammer down, you know, because there's a, like, I would say, like, you know, uh, Oops, I Did It Again is pop genre of music, but, like, I'm the real Sim Shady is a pop song. Also, exactly, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. it's, it's so I do, I do have an Eminem track on my list here. It's not real Sim Shady. My name is. I, I also don't have. Oops, I did it again. Um, I went for another Britney song. Yeah. Fair. Which, which made my top ten. I won't say any more than that. Um, yeah, we'll we'll visit. We'll, I think this is an interesting idea. We'll we'll, okay, we'll, we'll revisit that. Get your get your thim- thinking caps on, boys. Top top, put together a list twenty five songs, maybe, and we can get because really for brackets we only need thirty two, so we should yeah. be able to squeeze enough out of that. Listeners, pop us a mail as well on that subject if you want to yeah. weigh in. Best pop songs, okay. That's and be, be be liberal with your definition, listeners. If you want to do that, we're not going to be. Yeah, I mean, just just as as an idea, right? My mine went from stuff like, um. Justin Timberlake to Nirvana to Eminem, you know. So, so as long as basically, if it was a song that was at the top of the charts, the pop charts, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, eligible. Okay, 
Uh, from there, we will switch over to Game Guff. Uh, I haven't been playing that much, obviously, with the move. I managed to get a couple of things in. Uh, I talked a bit about Cult of the Lamb there before I left. I kind of fell out and then sort of back in love with it over the course of moving. Um, it's pre- it, it can get pretty tough in, in, in phases, but I, I did power through with it. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, uh, I was going to say the Switch version is just a nightmare, but I've actually heard pretty bad things about the PlayStation. It is, unfortunately, just a very buggy game, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I talked about that already. Uh, I did um, put a couple of hours into The Last of Us Part 1, which is the PS5 remake. Um, and I, I'm not going to dispute that it's perhaps not worth the €80, Euro, which is the asking price for it here in the in the Eurozone. 70 US dollars. But what I will say in its in favor of it is that this doesn't look like a PlayStation 3 game that it's now like, you know, running in 4K. It doesn't look like that. It this looks like a PlayStation 5 game made for the PlayStation 5, which obviously they said that when they were releasing it, but everyone kind of rolled their eyes because they fucking remastered this thing like fucking twice already or whatever it's been. And so everyone's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, this does look like it in a, in a weird scenario where if you can erase that first game from your memory and then you would just look at this, you would not at all think of its roots as somewhere other than the PlayStation Five, which is the best thing it's ever. Mm. It does look phenomenal, and it was a, it was a great looking game to begin with, but they've they've you know like in terms of things like like the water effects, like it has it has PlayStation Five water, do you know what I mean? Mm. And you think of some of those really most memorable story scenes from that game. Some like things like the you know in like the farmhouse where where Ellie and Joel have like this big argument um, mm, in in the fall right. chapter. It's still burned in my memory. Like like Ellie's face is so like wooden in those scenes because even Naughty Dog being like the bleeding edge motion capture people in 2013, you are still limited by you know you have X amount of processing power and right. you know, whatever. And that stuff translates over to the PS4 remaster as well because that was more of a straight port that ran better. Whereas this is kind of like they they went back and they got the original source video from the actress's performance and they redid the facial modeling and it's like the the PS5 character models have like ten times as many points of movement on the face, yeah. uh, so the facial animation is like outrageously great on this. And this is a game where that stuff really matters because this is the game that when it came out, not just in terms of its writing, but what was so acclaimed about the storytelling is that it is a game where the looks of the characters and the physicality of the characters and the way they move and interact with each other legitimately conveys so much of the story that is now massively enhanced. Um, they also enhance the AI a lot uh, to the degree that you get less of your, your, your buddies running around randomly. And okay. more importantly, the enemies move way more defensively, uh, more in line with last of us too. That's a really good comparison point. Um, much more tactical moving uh, on the enemy standpoint. So, Big thumbs up on all that. Also, it has like every special feature that was ever released about the game is on the disc, which is a nice touch. Uh, the two documentaries, Left Behind, the game is in there. The, a documentary about Left Behind is on there. Uh, the podcast that they did. Again, this is all stuff you can watch online or listen to online. But it's just nice to have it. It is on the disc if you want it, as well as concept art, character models, things like that. Uh, but with all that said, one thing I will say is this is, uh, you know, I got it because I'm a massive fan. I would say for most people, this is definitely wait for a sale or wait until it pops up on the PlayStation Plus thing. They, Other than the AI, which is better, the, the gameplay is the same. 
and I even found myself going for that dodge button that does not exist in Last of Us 1 uh, <laughs> uh, multiple times, uh, and that was really unfortunate. Um, also, one, one thing that's like, I feel like this is a game that's that's really just intended for the hardcore. I don't imagine anyone, or not anyone, but I would not say there's a significant amount of people who, who are playing this for the first time on the PS5. But <laughs> I was like... There's a uh, there's director commentary in the game, which I think they added. Um, in, it was like free DLC for the PS4 version. I've never actually heard it because I've never I just never went back after they added it to re-edit. But you have to beat the game once to to get it. And I was like, I'm playing. I am going to finish it. I'm going to finish on PS5. Yeah. I do not think I'm playing this game again on PlayStation Five after this novel playthrough I'm doing now. It was like, oh, it looks really nice, and I'm really I'm enjoying you know replaying this for the first time in a couple of years. I I kind of wish it was like you know. If you if you if you're a person who's just a diehard, you can just you can just listen to the commentary, because the uh, the Left Behind DLC obviously is full of spoilers, and they give you a little disclaimer on the main menu, but you can still play it, like you can still just play it. So I'm kind of like, why do I have to unlock the director commentary? I think that would actually be really cool. But anyway, that's Last of Us PS5. You uh, you find the YouTube uh, playlist of it. That's that's the other thing as well. Yeah, it's not it's not like it's hard to get that stuff, and. Uh, the last thing I played and finished in my in my time away from the podcast is a, a Game Pass uh, gem. Mm, I do want to play this one. Uh, one of the better reviewed games of the year, uh, Immortality, uh, from the developers of Her Story and Telling Lies, neither of which I played. Telling Lies, uh, uh, Her Story was very widely acclaimed. I did not, yeah. uh, I did not get around to it. Uh, so in the vein of this studio's uh, previous work, this is a full motion video game. Um, you are, I was about to say, I, I keep, whenever I'm telling people, about it, I keep going to say you are a detective. You, you don't have a character. You are basically trying to figure out what happened to this um, sort of uh, Hollywood starlet of the 60s and 70s who went missing. You're trying to figure out what happened to her by reviewing um, film of hers from her career, as well as behind the scenes footage and interviews she did on television promoting uh, her film. And again, it's full motion video, so it's all actual actors on actual sets and you're literally sitting there just watching the film uh it has very good kind of a a analog stick control where you can uh you can go extremely slowly forward or extremely slowly backward you can go frame by frame you can do a super fast rewind or fast forward so you can kind of scrub through the footage as fast as you want and i suppose the unique mechanic about it is basically you can pause at any stage and click on a character's face or an item in the scene, like a cup, a piece of lighting, a boom mic or whatever. And it'll basically zoom in and it'll take you to another scene that has that person in it, or it has that object in it or a comparable object. So basically you pick one scene to start randomly. And then you're basically doing, you're clicking on people's faces to be taken to a related piece of footage. And then once you, you, you kind of click around, you're building a collection and you can go back and you can rewatch footage and you can play it backward. You can play it in slow motion. You can do all this sort of stuff. And you're trying to piece together what happened to this actress. And of course you're getting little bits of before and after they say cut, there's little interactions between the actors and interactions between the, the directors and, uh, and things like that. And it's really, really interesting. And like I said, I was, I keep almost describing it as you, you're a detective or whatever. You don't have a character. The game literally just boosts you up and says, here's here's some footage. Here are the, the controls. That's the game. There's no story. It's just, there's no story to your input as a character, but there is a story you're playing. And I think the most impressive thing about it is when you think of FMV games, you know, video games that are entirely full motion video, you think of, you know, yeah. a lot of cheesy stuff from the early days of the CD consoles, yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation, Sega CD, yeah. CD-ROMs on PCs and stuff like that. This is like... First of all, it is taking itself very seriously, which is one thing. 
and would make the it would make it fail very hard if it wasn't executed very well because it's totally so serious. But the the craftsmanship of the video they've made is really, really, really fantastic. So again, this you're, it's like you're trying to you're following the career of like a Hollywood starlet from the sixties, seventies, and since she does like a, a late career film in the nineties. But the 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 way they've made these fake movies is honestly so 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 phenomenal not only in terms of realistically looking like films but looking like period appropriate films the movie from 1969 is like a sort of a, sort of a, a controversial like a moderately big name director making an arty blasphemous film about a, a an italian you know uh, um uh Bishop, who you know, you know, has sex with his parishioners and and is on all this kind of controversy, and so it's it's like a sort of like a, a, a Polanski's Macbeth type movie, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like the the and another thing that's done terribly in so many games is like bad film grain effects or CRT TV effects. This game really, really, really excellently has fake nineteen sixties film reel on it. And and they're doing there's like a bunch of scenes that are done against like what I think are probably fake matte paintings, but they're really fucking convincing matte paintings that look super cool and better than most films look today. Um, so there's that. The seventies movie is like a kind of a, 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 a gritty kind of a detective uh, movie. And then the nineties film is a weird kind of like a shitty kind of rom com. Uh, 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 like, like kind of a like a parent trap legally blonde mix thing. Uh, they, none of the films have direct analogs. They're all very much their own thing, and they kind of chart the career of a person that, that kind of seemed like she would be a big deal in the sixties and then wasn't really. Um, but the quality of the fake movies is is fantastic. The quality of the acting is great because these people are having to play characters and then multiple people are having to play multiple different characters within the universe of the of the game if that makes sense because you know the, the main character in particular you see her as the person and then you see her doing three separate acting performances there's a lot going on there's a lot of intrigue in the story it's 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 really 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 great and it's a, it's a game that if you like a game that's super non-linear and it's on you to just figure out what happened this is this is the game for you it's called immortality it's on PC and Xbox. I think it's, it's it's on Game Pass. I think it is on PlayStation. I'm not certain. I think it's also either on or coming to phones, I believe. Um, mm. uh, I think it would be great on the phones. I think the, the interface is very much uh, phone-friendly. But yes, Immortality, really fantastic. Uh, uh, a little bit creepy. I think it's a good Halloween game. It's not super Halloween-y, but I think it has it has a creepy vibe to it. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's Immortality. Really enjoyed that. And uh, it's about six or so hours to... to figure out what's going on but yeah thumbs up on that one right well i have put some more hours into pokemon and i've learned the name now shining pearl shining pearl okay shining pearl um definitely over the hump of being so annoyed by having the foundational elements of pokemon explained back to me for the 15th (laughs) time uh so now I'm, i'm finally into it it's fine i mean i hate the art style as i've said before i think it's a tremendously ugly game uh but pokemon is a series i could just sink hours into so it's it's not you know reinventing the wheel once you get once you actually are allowed to just play it and not be told hey fire pokemon's weak against water then you're then you, then, then it's a little bit better pacing wise um also they're 
there was a little Easter, not Easter egg, but a little bonus that I experienced by virtue of having played uh, Sword and Shield and Let's Go Eevee, Let's Go Pikachu. So early on in the game, I've only got two of the eight badges, so I'm like a quarter of the way through. There's a character you meet who's like, oh, I see you've gone on a Let's Go adventure, meaning you have a save from that save game on your Switch. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'd like to adventure with this Pokemon and you, just, you get a Mew for free. Uh, and then there's another person who gives you another legendary. So I've got two badges and I've already got two legendary Pokemon in my party. So I think it um, it unbalances the game a little bit, but fuck it. Like, I don't care at this point. Um, also, what continues to unbalance the game, one of the most baffling decisions made in the development of these games was the, the way the XP is shared. So when you win a battle, all your Pokemon get XP, not only the one that was in the battle, which is how it used to work. So now, by virtue of having done no grinding at all, I'm already like five levels higher than all the trainers I come across. So the game just get is too easy by virtue of the way that it's designed, which I think is is really, really poor game design. But it's Pokemon, it's for babies, so it's fine. Uh, and speaking of for babies and being too easy, too fucking easy, I finally dipped my toe into the world of Elden Ring. We uh, So not enough for me to give any detailed thoughts on or anything. I'm, I'd say I probably played the first hour and a half. Okay. Um, so can't speak to many of the game's elements that people seem to love. I will say, compared to Pokemon, love the art style. Yeah. Love, love, love the world design of what I've seen so far. Um, it doesn't like the only other um, uh, from software game I played was the original Dark Souls, okay. uh, which which felt so fucking slow and clunky to control. I will say, in comparison, Elden Ring very snappy. Um, doesn't doesn't feel like oh I want to I want to attack this person. Okay, press the attack button. Sword back. Yeah, forward. and yeah. it just takes forever. Or or evade. You do the slowest little roll out of the way. This this feels much more responsive. Um, Definitely in the first hour and a half, I feel like I've been uh, eased in. I haven't been killed 90 times. You know, it's 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 fairly simple at the beginning. There's like, I did do the um, the, the tutorial cave. That's what I was going to, that was like the earliest piece of discourse about that game was people missing the tutorial cave. I don't know how, because I... It's really obvious. I don't know how they missed it. It's really obvious. I didn't go in with any, I, I have very little knowledge about Elden Ring going in yeah. at all. I thankfully haven't been spoiled on anything but also just generally don't know much about the game um but one thing i do uh and i did in Elden ring but i do it in a lot of the games i play is very early on i'll just like look at everything yeah so i'm clicking every little button oh i can interact with this okay what does that do so when i came very soon to the area of the cave of course i'm still looking over oh there's a cave there and there was like a, a signpost basically like if you want to go in here this is the whatever the name was cave of remembrance or something <laughs> like Jump down the hole. That's the tutorial level. Uh, so me with no established knowledge, I found it. I did it. So I don't know how people were missing it. But like you go down there and there's like a boss battle and it's like mm. extremely easy. Yeah. So, you know, they, they definitely ease you in. But you and find you a bunch could... of player messages going, don't celebrate easy boss. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come out, you, you have the um, Breath of the Wild moment where you yes. you're, you're, you come out into world. And what I love is, compared to Breath of the Wild, you don't see this big, huge expanse below mm. you. You're looking like up a hill, and there's yes. all this mad shit. So on. good. It's great, so good. Great little moment. And so I see 
a tree. I forget. The, it's like a, a gold and blue and like knight on a horse. On a horse. And yeah. I'm like, well, I just killed that boss second ago. I'm going to go, fuck this guy. Ugh. And I got killed immediately. Yes. He's <laughs> great. He's great. Because he's like, he, he's like your first meaningful, like, roadblock because I think it's such great design because you, you, your eye goes straight to him the same time you're like oh, I'm going to go fight the guy and like it's it's like hours before you beat that guy or at least it was yeah. for me and most people I spoke to you are not getting that guy for a couple of hours so I wouldn't even worry for about sure. it but yeah I just love that opening come out because you see him but also like you see like oh just the, the most picturesque insanely cool castle on a cliffside and that, so that is the first like of the first area you're in you're yeah. it, this is like 20 hours away you do eventually go there and it's just it's that proper video game elevator pitch moment of oh there it is and there's my goal i have to go there and i have to fucking kill everyone you know yeah. oh it's great so very early in i i, I i'm following the uh, the little save points to give you a little gold pass yes. go, go over that way so early on i'm just going to follow that until i'm a little bit beefier and then i'll do some like exploring Totally. Um, so I've reached, there's a little cave you reach, and I've, I've just stopped there. That's where I am. Uh, but yeah, totally enjoyed the first hour and a half so far. I understand that I'm in line for many, many more hours. But so far, yes. so good. I'll give some some more in-depth thoughts maybe next time. I'm very excited to hear. How you, I have to get back. I, I, fell off. I didn't fall off. I kind of like, I got distracted by other games, and then the move happened. Yeah. And it's one of those games where I think it is like, their most accessible game but at the same time i kind of have to be in it okay i've beaten the other games i'm playing i'm playing elden ring that's the kind of mindset you have to be in and i'm not really there but i, I really want to go back to yeah, elden I, can't ring wait, is, I can't wait to hear what you make of it it's my sit in front of the tv game and pokemon is my uh there's football on that i kind of half yes. care about i'll play pokemon yeah that's no I, I i can't wait to hear you get on and it, i think yeah following because that's that's what i did as well i think following those those checkpoints they point you to early on is great and then you'll kind of at your own pace. Well, I'm going to go over here now. I've had enough of this. I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, what's over, oh, look at this whole thing. Oh, what's over that? Yeah, you know, you'll you'll do all that in time. That's great. Um, and with that intriguing tease of of, of certainly mm. game guffs to come, we will uh, we will call her a show here on the first CSP of October. Still to come, of course. Uh, in the next few weeks, we will have more spooky movies. We'll have more Elden Ring. We will have more. Uh, 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 Frasier uh, and various other uh, golfs. and of course more of your weekly AEW reviews and wrestling news chit chat uh, but until then go to chairshoppodcast.com if you want to pop us an email if you've got a pop music take uh, do you indeed send it over to us or just take about anything if you want to weigh in on anything that we talked about on the show or anything we didn't talk about on the show you can pop us an email and we will of course read it out uh, until then Everyone, until next week's show, we're going to say farewell. It's goodbye from me, Barrymore. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye to Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Goodbye.